And welcome back to The Discussion Phase, our weekly board gaming podcast where we take a break from playing the games we love to talk about the games we love. As always, I'm your host, John. I'm Matthew. And today we are catching up on some recent plays, checking in on a new hotness that's on GameFound right now, Guards of Atlantis with a recent review, and uh, finishing off some March Madness. So stick around. And buckle up. Right, Matthew, I love that summer music. I know it's I know officially summertime. It's officially. I think summertime. there's a week left of the school year, and everyone's everyone's getting enjoying the warmer weather. See, the thing is crazy. So I'm from I'm from New York. I live in Tennessee now, and and where I'm from, we usually didn't finish school till almost the end of June. Like the third week in June was when really? school let out. Did y'all um, do like those? Um, but we didn't start till after Labor Day. So yeah, here it's really interesting that like school's almost out, and then kids go back like in the middle of August, don't they? Did y'all have a more extended winter break just because of the snow? Uh, I think it was like three or four weeks, maybe depending. But I, I mean, was, we, the spring I was semester so starts my back. We're just kind of like, ah, eh, whatever. Uh, we we take breaks, but whenever we feel like it, exactly. But, yeah. Well, uh, Brady is in here with us this I week. Know. He is enjoying the finer things in life, and he's in Greece. Greece? He's right? playing, he got a copy of Santorini to play in Santorini, yeah. which I think he is messaged, great. He's, he's going to be gone for a couple of weeks, but he messaged us a couple, day, double, couple days before he left and said, uh, does anyone have a copy of Santorini just so I don't have to buy it before I go? And we're like, no, nope, <laughs> no, no one don't. does. You're going to have to pony up. There's actually actually a big Kickstarter right now for Santorini. It's like a deluxe edition on, uh, I think it's Kickstarter or GameFound, but um it looked a little over the top for the weight that I know Santorini is. So yeah, I played it once or twice, and I think it's an interesting um, kind of two-player positional. Um, what, yeah. What's what's the word for it? Not uh, area control, but it's kind of like a abstract, yeah, yeah abstract yeah. type game. Uh, yeah, but this new Kickstarter adds a lot of uh, modules and um, extra units and miniatures and buildings and stuff on, yep. on the uh, for the game. It, it feels like it almost kind of gets too far away. Uh, from the core concept of the game. I just remember it was the first game that I ever played on BGA with David. So I'll always kind of remember that. But um, anyways, we're not here to talk about Santorini. We miss Brady. We hope he's having uh, just a wonderful time with his family out across the ocean. But um, Matthew, we've been doing some traveling recently too. Yeah, Um, We were both traveling over this past weekend. My wife went and saw Taylor Swift in Nashville. So I got to take David uh, with me out to Nashville because our wives went and watched Taylor Swift and we got to play board games all, all day every day we were uh we we got a lot of stuff and we started bright and early like eight o'clock on friday and we were gaming till about two in the morning uh when the girls got back from the concert and man we got quite the list of games played. yeah so i want to hear kind of a breakdown of everything you got played some so, new games some old ones i and- will i will read off all the games that we got played and then i'll maybe highlight a few of them so we got flamecraft mythic battles pantheon bullet Hot Lead, or Lead, I guess he said. It's a Canizia game. Guards of Atlantis 2. Cthulhu Death May Die. We played the giant Cthulhu scenario. So if and you've a seen giant miniature. The giant like Cthulhu miniature tall. sitting in the, yep, in the front yeah. of the table. Uh, then Massive Darkness 2, which is a recent one that uh, a couple I'm, people I'm have been I'm curious on your about. thoughts on that one. And then um, Burn Cycle. We kind of played an intro floor level of Burn Cycle, and we got a game of Raw in before we left to classic Canizia. Um, but yeah, yeah, we hit a lot of great so, games, and we... The one I'm most curious about here is Massive Darkness. Mm-hmm. Um, I know uh, Tom Vassell has reviewed this one quite highly, um, considering his main outside of yeah. a um, 
Gloomhaven S type game, mm -hmm. his main now go to dungeon crawler. Yeah. Um, so I'm just curious your thoughts on gameplay, how it yeah. may compare to some other things, what may, makes it stand out or unique. So again, we only played one scenario, and I think this game would thrive in like a campaign style mode. So we were playing just a standalone, you know, set up this expansion or set up this board and uh, pick your characters and roll, which first off I thought was great to have that kind of um, just instant action almost. Um, but the general premise, right, you have some asymmetric carriers or classes. Um, all of them have their own like tech trees um, of different skills that they can get as they level up. Um, but they usually have some unique mechanisms. So I was playing the tinkerer and I had kind of three different skill trees I could go. I could either put kind of constructs out onto the board. I could use like little gizmos, like items and bombs and stuff like that. Or now, real quick, was this, this is Massive Darkness too mm -hmm. that you're playing? Okay. Yeah. Um, and then I had the one that I ended up pursuing was these big exosuits. So I could transform my character into this big exosuit. It was actually really cool how it worked. There's like a character board and you actually took these large pieces of cardboard and like overlaid it where you would normally put your items. So, um, but the general idea is you have a mission. So our mission was, hey, go out to these kind of three corners of the tiles that we laid out and you have to collect these items and bring them back to this place uh, in the center of the board to forge uh, like this weapon. Um, and as you're going through, <clears throat> the board starts off populated by some minions and then as you kill them and level up, the minions you're facing get stronger and you have these kind of roaming monsters that join. Um, and it was a pretty fun game. It was definitely, you know, a Meritrashy dice chucker, right? So for a dungeon crawler, that's kind of what you expect. Um, a little punishing in some regards where these these monsters, the more uh, like models they have in the unit, um, the higher like their health is obviously, but they also roll more dice when they're attacking you. So it's a little scary to... Uh, you know, that first turn, try to chip away at some people. But mm -hmm. every character, this is kind of the highlight in my mind, every character had some very unique uh, mechanisms. So I was playing the Tinkerer. Like I said, I kind of had this big mech suit. Byron was playing uh, like an archer character, and he had this cool deck that he would flip over um, cards, kind of like a push-your-luck mechanism. And all the cards had arrows on the top, either from one to uh, four. And he could flip over as many cards as he wants, but if he got over uh, seven arrows, so if he had eight or more, show he would bust and get no bonus if he hit like seven on the nose he would get uh, like a higher level bonus but if he just maybe went to five or six almost like a blackjack idea of push your luck in you know i'm gonna hit i'm gonna draw another card and see if i can hit seven which is almost like a blackjack but it had different bonuses like rerolls or extra attacks or ignore defense so he had his own kind of mini game david was playing like a bard character he actually had this like board that had different strings on it and he was organizing things into different notes so almost like asymmetric uh, players and abilities. Um, it was just a lot of fun. It was like the last game we played on um, Friday night. So it was late in the morning. So we were all kind of just enjoying chucking some dice and uh, fighting some monsters. Um, so the characters were really cool. And the other thing I would highlight is um, they had a really cool kind of tiered uh, minion system. So as you leveled up as a group, you would then pull minions from a different stack of uh, stack of cards and that would change their stats so the the minions or the people you were facing would kind of grow with you as the game went on but so would the loot you would get from defeating them so overall really cool um you know dice chucker dungeon dungeon crawler um totally would play again i think the campaign mode would be pretty cool to kind of string some of the scenarios together versus just kind of an instant action type um idea but definitely thought it was a good time he yeah. just had kind of the base game so he was uh, base game in one expansion so he was kind of exploring to see if he wanted to add anything else and and i'm sure knowing byron that he'll he'll have to pick up a few extra expansions or, or modules for it yeah so and you may have just mentioned that but um so in this game like compared to something like with descent for a dungeon yeah. crawler a one person does have to play as the 
the bad guys. It's just yep. fully co-op. You play fully cooperative. The game. Nobody has to do any kind of. Uh, we all kind of manage the enemies. It's very Gloomhaven esque in the way that you flip over a card. The card tells you the stats and the abilities that the monster has, and then there's like a monster activation phase. So once all of us have taken our turns, you activate all of the monsters. They'll move. They'll attack, etc. Um, so it was pretty simple from an upkeep perspective. Very cool. But so Massive Darkness was one of the uh, the games I got is played. This, is this something that we should look into getting, or is it, um, it's, it's, it's fall into category of it? It's fun to play. Maybe not something that we'd get to the table regularly. It, it was. I would say that right. It was really fun to play, but I think y'all sweaty tryhards might have a hard time just having fun and throwing dice. But um, <laughs> getting it, sweaty is the fun part. John. It was definitely fun. I mean, a campaign of it I think would be enjoyable. This would be a game that I think you could play with younger kids. I was too, about like, to ask. Yeah. Uh, maybe not like obviously like really young kids, but. If I was like an adult, like Tom Bassler, I can see why he would love playing this with his kids because the leveling up is pretty quick. At the end of every round, you can effectively level up if you've gotten enough experience. And they're pretty generous with, Short attention here's span. a bunch of loot, here's a bunch of experience, right? So it was definitely a fun, get right into the action type game. So. Okay. But. And then another one, uh, Mythic Battles. Now, oh. this is one that we have heard whispers of rumors, oh, Matthew, rumors so and uh, legends told. Uh, this game has been well. You backed Mythic Battles Ragnarok in, in, in addition with the previous copy of or twenty one Pantheon. Yeah, um, so, so it's I've been got, at least I've two got a years. lot of stuff coming in for this game, and it has been quite a while. When's the most recent update you got on the Kickstarter? Actually, on Thursday night, I got an update for Arcs and Mythic Battles in the same day. Yeah, uh, Mythic Battles. I didn't, didn't see the one any, for Arcs. Didn't have any production updates um, <laughs> as per usual, but per they did usual. release almost all the dashboards um, for all the gods and the monsters, which I need to go read through. I haven't okay. done that, but. Um, I'll, I'll give a high level overview and I think David really enjoyed it too. So I'm hoping maybe we can chat a bit in the discord. I'm hoping he can help get y'all hyped up about it. Well, but, I know we talked about before, just remind me again, what is just one or two, not yep. the full gameplay, but what are one or two things that make this stand out versus some other things? Cause so, I know we're going to be talking about guards of Atlantis here, yep. which is a team based battle, which yep. I know um, you can do in this as well. battle has an option, but um, it gets mainly built for one V one. So I think um, it's actually, there's a lot of team-based scenarios in it too. So I think two V two would be really good. Again, free for all is hard in skirmish games. Cause I think people can get ganged up on. So we didn't play three player. I've only played one V one, but um, what makes it, I love the theme first off. That's one thing, but uh, I really like their dashboard system. So all of your characters information are on this dashboard, right? So you've got kind of five different stats that you can use. You've got an attack stat, a defense stat, a movement, a range, and then kind of like an ability tracker. So as you, go down in health, you may lose uh, your attack strength, or you might lose a movement speed, whatever it might be. But then everybody has kind of unique abilities. So um, they might be an active ability. So maybe Zeus can call down a bolt of lightning, you know, three spaces away from him. Um, whereas Ares may get the ability to do kind of like a double activation, right? Um, or they might just be more passive ability, like when you're attacked, you get X, Y, and Z. Um, but my favorite part is kind of how the the game melts together with the army construction perspective. So David and I played a set scenario. So we, we had a set army, but what I found to be the most fun when I've done it with Byron is, is the game comes with kind of a drafting deck. So you can shuffle up like four, or you can shuffle up the deck of gods and like flip four out and the monsters and flip four out and flip out, you know, eight heroes and some troop cards. And then you have like 18 points to draft your, army with so yeah, you have to pick a deity first and already love that idea right so you have to pick your deity first and then you kind of pick your components and you can see how maybe this troop would work well with this hero because now how in depth set. is this list building because i know it's that kind of it's, sounds similar to something like a song of you pick your commander it's you simple there's not there's not like but, there's not like attachments or other things i'm just saying it's more of like drafting 
the units you want to use, but you may pick one hero because they're really good with troop units, right? So they might have an ability to um, get activations for does your troop. It, does it give you the option to go like, I just want three mega units you for could. 18 points. Yeah. I remember could. we played what at hero clicks or one yep. of those type games and we had a point limit. You could get a couple units. And I was like, I just give me the Hulk for all the points. <laughs> right. One unit. Um, so, so I, I like the idea of uh, right. being it, able to diversify. And the, the, the coolest thing. So the deck or the game runs off like this deck system. So every character on their dashboard says how many activation cards they get. And that's usually between four or five, maybe six in some cases, but you then take all of the activation cards for your characters. And then there's these things called art of war cards, which are kind of like a wild um, so those get pushed into your deck and some characters may give you one, two, or even three art of war cards. And those allow you to like kind of draw cards or search for a specific card during the game, um, which is really helpful to help mitigate some luck or it can help you activate your abilities. But on your turn, you basically are playing a card. So say I have Zeus in my army in order to use Zeus, I have to play a Zeus activation card from my hand. So I have a limited amount of times that I can activate Zeus until I reset my deck. So okay. there's kind of an aspect of when you're building your a list. A little bit of cooldown. Right. So um, you know, maybe you know your opponent's gone through all of his activation cards for a specific character, and you know that that person's going to be stuck until they reset their deck. So there's kind of a cool push and pull there. And then there's other ways to mitigate, you know, cards that let you search for a card in your deck or cards that let you draw extra cards. Um, so there's yeah, some fun. That kind of reminds me a little bit, uh, Brady and I, the other week, I can't remember what day it was on. We played, uh, we were just playing a couple two player games. Uh, I don't know. Have we, we talked about the star Wars deck building yeah. game, but we also played the Lord of the Rings confrontation. We yep. pulled that out. Classic. Again. Um, and that has a little bit of that element mm -hmm. too. Is like, you know, the cards that your opponent has or hasn't played right. they are like eight or nine cards, eight cards they have in their hand. Um, but the thing is, you can force them to to use cards. But when everyone's used all their cards, then they get to reset right. reset their deck. And so it's that balance of of yeah, can I push them to use these cards? But if I do it too much, then mm -hmm. now they get to reset all their cards and have them back. Yeah. And so it's a that's a great mechanic for balance. And, and I like they have these things called Art of War cards, which you can play um, to basically do one of three different things. And two of those is either draw two cards immediately, or you can search your deck for a single card. So if you know I really need to activate this person, you can spend that card and it goes into your discard pile, right? So you can get it back, but spend that card to go search for who you need. So really enjoy that. The last thing I'll say is I think for a game that's like a skirmish game, their combat system is pretty good too. So there's some good dice mitigation where uh, you basically, you roll dice equal to, it's a D6 equal to your attack stat. Um, but instead of a one to six, it's kind of like zero to five. So zero is a blank and those get removed. But what you're kind of doing is you're trying, there's like a first assault and a second assault. So in the first assault, you roll all your dice and you're basically trying to get as many die to a value of five as possible. And you can five or greater or just to just a five? so it's a max of five on okay. your dice. So you roll a five, you leave that aside. But if you rolled a four, you could spend one of your other dice to make that four a five, right? Regardless of the value. So you could spend a dice to add effectively a pip to um, your dice. And then you re-roll all of those fives to try to get, you know, so it would start base five. And if you rolled a two, it would be a seven, et cetera. And you're trying to get as many dice above the opponent's defense value. So it's a really unique system and it's maybe I'm not explaining it the best, but it's easy when you're actually doing it. Um, and I think it's a pretty unique way to do this combat mechanism where you could roll and you can either like maybe push one dice all the way to, you know, the defense that you need, or you can maybe push your luck and say, Oh, well I can get to like two or three fives and I can roll them to see if I can get to a seven or I can just guarantee one wound. So there's some, 
some push your luck, but there's also some dice mitigation, which I appreciate. Um, and then there's some abilities that work off of rolling blanks. Like you can pick up and throw people and it's just very thematic. It mm-hmm. was fun and, and it's very fast too. I think the game plays in maybe about an hour for what we did. Um, and we actually played like a unique scenario one, which was different than the more instant action um, based. So yeah. that added some different objectives for me. And I kind of pulled it out right on the last turn. I had a, a timed deck um, that I was running through. So it just created like a fun moment where David almost had it. Then I kind of pulled it out at the end. But anyways, lots of variability in this game. I think there's good dice mitigation, which is always good in any kind of combat game. So there's less feels bad, but I like it's punchy. You can get right into it. You can enjoy it. There's tons of different content and uh, I'm excited for what it eventually lands. I'm excited too. I mean, this year. we got Ragnarok. So we got Viking things. We have yep. the Pantheon. And you can cross all of them too. So you can oh, play. Really? Yep. So you, you have Odin play. versus you do, Zeus. You can do Odin versus Zeus, right? You can oh, mix and cool. have like a team up of... Whoever versus the Greek gods whoever. versus yep. the Viking gods. And that's, that's really cool. That's really cool. Right. Uh, but yeah, hearing stuff like that makes me want to pull out an oldie, but a goodie and project elite. Oh. I know that you <laughs> maybe get stressed out or overwhelmed with real a time. Bit, games. Yeah. It started with, uh, gosh, I forget the name of it every time. XCOM. Yes. Which was a game Steven brought. What's X? Yeah. XCOM is, is a cooperative and you have these tasks, even though, even though project elite is yes, cooperative. I just you're really like trying to somebody down every time I play, you're trying to do the best games. with yourself, but it's kind of like a gears of war, uh, the board game. It's just right. I, stuff like that is a lot of fun, but I, I mean, I enjoy, there's some real time games that I really enjoy. One that I've mentioned a lot that I want to want you all to play. I don't think you have is fuse. Um, no, I have game. It's real quick. It plays like eight, 10 minutes. Uh, there's an expansion that recently came out for it. I've been deciding whether or not to get, uh, so I need to bring it tomorrow night for a game night. Um, that's a, that's a great real time game where you're working together. Um, so it's I like th- to disarm a bomb, I'm assuming, right? Yeah. And so it's, it's, it's a little bit of, a um, communication. You're pulling, drafting these dice from the middle of the table to place them on mission cards and the cards to fulfill the, the card, which you have to go through a deck of these cards to defuse the bomb. Yep. They require certain colors, certain numbers, certain combinations, certain stacking. And so there's a lot of like spatial puzzle and organization. And then what's tricky is that if there is a dice left in the middle that wasn't claimed or couldn't be claimed, mm-hmm. everyone, from what I remember, everyone has to lose a die from their progress Oof. matching that. So it's like, how do we efficiently pull the dice in timely manner, but also aren't causing ourselves to lose progress yeah. uh, but it's a great filler type game and you can really up the difficulty to like yeah like similar to uh the crew right mm-hmm. you can increase the difficulty to challenge yourselves more and more um that's great um there's one more game i wanted to just mention in passion so i got a lot a lot played this past weekend and we're going to talk about guards of atlantis later but cthulhu death may die have you played this i've played it at least twice maybe three okay. i played it with david um and i was actually going to mention this one ask mm-hmm. you your thoughts more on the the one thing I love about Cthulhu Death May Die is the character progression. Mm-hmm. And I love the concept as one well, in, in this game, it's not really considered health as I don't think as much your as sanity, your sanity. Yeah. Uh, but the further you get down to your sanity, you hit breaking, you literally mm-hmm. hit breaking points that unlock stronger abilities. Right. So I, I'm even we, we played uh video games together, like mm-hmm. division two. Uh, what, what kind of player am I? I'm the guy who just runs in right. there crazy, takes yep. all kinds of damage, and then say, someone revive me. Right. right? And so I love that concept <laughs> of place. So I'm going to run in here, get hit, just get like Super Saiyan buffed up, and then I've right. got all these. And so it's just kind of dancing with the devil. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, do I push it too much and I die, but I need to I need to at least take some damage so I get power up. Yeah. And I don't know of uh, really any other games or a lot of the games that have that kind of concept because yeah. it really builds up that amped 
tension. Like we always talk about loving progression in the game and your progression is tied with right. the cl- climatic part of the game. Right. Toward and the as end. you get to your strongest, you're also getting closer and closer to yeah. dying. And you, right. it never gives you, of course, I've only played a couple of times, but you don't get that feeling of like, oh, well, we just got beat by the game. It's overwhelming. It's like, right. yeah, as we're getting beat, though, we're also getting more powerful. But it never feels like a catch-up mechanism. Mm-hmm. It feels like a mechanic you're trying to yeah. balance. I think it's extremely um, well designed. Um, so for context, we played the giant Cthulhu um, statue. If you've ever seen that, I won't even call it a miniature. It's, you it's know, two feet tall, two and a half Small feet tall, child. whatever. I remember that the first time I ever said so that was at my father-in-law's, um, Byron, the first time I ever went to visit them, he made sure that thing was sat right kind of in his office space, which was near the dining room. So I could see it looking at me, uh, while we were eating dinner, but, um, we finally got it to the table. I know David's a big fan of this. They just had a recent Kickstarter as well. Um, and we, we beat Cthulhu. It was my first time yeah. playing. We beat, apparently I was playing like the most overpowered character. Yes. So, my, that was gonna um, say my one Rasputin. Yes. Um, I played him and um, he just gets free. So, so spoiler alert, if you've not played the giant Cthulhu scenario, you might want to skip forward like two minutes, but the general idea is you're going around this giant Cthulhu trying to pick up these kind of discovery cards that are going to allow you to know how to attack Cthulhu. And you need to defeat three of his body parts. He's got two legs, two arms and a head. Um, you need to defeat at least the head and two others, but you don't know how to attack them until you discover the cards that show the weakness and then go perform the action. Oftentimes it's, Hey, you need to spend this energy from defeating people at this location. The weakness to the head requires you to spoiler alert again, you have to sacrifice yourself at this is one this place. Miss, so, is this scenario replayable? Because if you yeah. play it once, you, now mean, you, you know so, everything. So you have to still have the cards in order to do the act. Like you could know that you would have to sacrifice yourself in order to do it, but you would still need to have the card out in order to flip it around. Okay. Um, but so that sounds, sounds very similar and, to the and, Witcher. The, and I kind the, of I kind of cheated it, right? Because I was playing Rasputin and his special ability is he gets a free death. So when he dies, he just comes back in full health. So we kind of cheated it a little bit where I sacrificed myself and it says, take wounds until you're killed. So I took wounds until I was killed, but then I got to come back to life. So, um, and then, and then the best part was I had this spell that I could like teleport to a body part and I teleported to his head and then blew him up. It was pretty, it was pretty legit. Um, but uh, just echoing some of your sentiments, the sanity track, I thought was just a really cool way to, as you're taking wounds and damage from the monsters, or when you're trying to do things, there's these tentacle icons on the dice. When you roll them, you start losing sanity. Yeah. Every time you hit a, a certain check mark that might start four spaces apart, and then slowly goes to three, then two, then one, you get to up on one of your three tracks. So everybody has one unique track, and then there's like a bunch of different skill trees that might be shared. So gives the characters a cool sense of uniqueness. And again, you get to power up as you're moving towards the climax of the game. So um, it was really close where we were like one or two cards away from probably most of us, most of us dying. Um, But we had a really, really good time and it was really fun to experiment. And all of them said that it's not one of the best scenarios either. They said a lot of the actual scenarios are better than the giant Cthulhu one, just because it's such a departure from the normal way you would play the game and that was only my two main thoughts on the game is when i've played it some some characters felt really powerful in the scenarios and there's times mm-hmm. where the scenarios can just feel overwhelming or that if you just kind of yeah. open the door and things just present itself correctly that it's pretty easy to just kind of roll yeah. through um so sometimes you have it's kind of hit and miss maybe sometimes with the tension in those scenarios but i was saying that reminds me a little bit of the witcher uh the old world that yeah. we're waiting on is that when you so one game mode is 
is all of us are trying to be the first ones to defeat the legendary monster, and there's different okay. monsters you can put in the game. But part of that is you have to discover the weaknesses, just like in the video game. Like you have to get right. the oils and and or the spells or the weapons, um, or learn about its vulnerabilities. And so part of your your exploration around the map is finding those things that then allows you to go right and, and uh, fight the final form. Nice, That's very cool, awesome. Well, a um, couple other games we got in, um, some new ones. Yeah. Um, we got in last week. Uh, we got in the Council of Four. And so I think we'd mentioned this, that we picked it up. Um, this Good is an old older... C- a Simon game, Simon right? Simon title uh, designed by Simone Luciani and uh, Daniel Tassini. Uh, it's a little older older title. It's a little... It's more of a mid-light weight Euro game. Uh, when we kind of first look at it, it gave me some vibes reminiscent of uh, Royals Adjacent. So I say in that kind of breadth or, or, or vibe of type of games, mm-hmm. um, obviously in, in this game, it's all about the way the system works up. Obviously, you're trying to get the most points, but the way you do that is creating networks, um, connecting different cities with your tri- your merchants that you place in those cities. And how the game works is on your turn, you'll draw a card similar to a lot of other style of games, Royals, Ticket to Ride. Um, and then the actions you can do on your turn is a lot of times dependent on the cards you have. And so general overview is that on your turn, you're you're trying to there the, the board is separated into three regions. Um, and there's probably a dozen cities for each of those regions that are all connected. But what you're trying to do in each of those three regions, you're, on your turn, you can buy a tile, which is kind of a a um, a deed yep. that allows you to, to place in certain cities of that region. And then on another turn, then you can place one of your merchants in that city. Um, but however, the trick is that there is a rotating cost to those three regions. And those are kind of the council um, yep. is made up of. And so there's five different colors in the mm-hmm. game represented on five different colored cards. There's a Almost wild like card. Suits, if you think like ticket to ride, yeah. you're pulling cards from this deck and you're Very spending similar. those cards. Um, in a specific- there's like, a, there's green, blue, gray, brown, right. purple. Uh, but there's like these Yellow. little miniatures for those. And the game is randomly seated. So each of those three regions has a common random combination of five. Four. Is it four? There's It's a council of four. Council man. of four. Come on. Uh, it has a random combination of those colors. Um, but one of the actions you can do on your turn is choose a new council member, place them on the farthest left and kind of slot out and slide out the person on the farthest right. And so um, like I may have drawn a bunch of brown cards and there's not a lot of brown council members in any of those three regions. One of the actions on my turn is I can essentially change what the cost of that region is going to be for the future. Yeah. Um, and then the really interesting thing is all of these uh, cities on the board uh, have a bonus. So maybe gain a... Um, uh, gain a couple of coins, coins, gain a worker, card. gain a bump on the reputation yeah, track. Right? Um, something like that. And when you place so one of your tradesmen in that city, you get that action. However, whenever you connect another city... You get the new city plus the old city. So every time you add on something to your network, you're reactivating all of those cities' bonuses. And so there's a strategy. Do I want to focus on getting cars? Do I want to get extra workers, mm-hmm. which may give me auxiliary actions or an extra main action if I have enough of them to spend? Uh, do I want to get extra coins? Um, because one of the things, if you go somewhere where other people are, you have to pay a coin for each other person's that's there. So it's kind of a race a little bit to get to places first. Things get more expensive later right. on in the game. Um, do I want to go to places that just give me straight victory points? Um, there's a, 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 a track called like a Royal Royal track that yep. gives you bonuses that you can go up on. Um, and so it's very simple, straightforward. Yeah. You're, you're gaining deeds, you're paying the cost of the council members for the deeds. And then on a turn, you can, yeah. you can build on one of the locations that's on the deed, mm-hmm. get a bonus connecting your network. Yeah. Um, so it's really kind of straightforward. I think where it kind of makes it stand out is, um, the action selection. So on your turn, yeah. you do one main action 
There's four different main actions. And then you may, either before or after the main action, do an auxiliary action, which are kind of like the main actions, but they're weaker. They don't give you yeah. as much bonuses. Um, and they usually cost a worker mm -hmm. um, to do it. So that's why you want a worker engine. Um, but you could also, like you said, you, you're adjusting, manipulating the cost for different regions. Yep. And so that can really play into your favor. Because the one thing the game allows you to do is forever, if you're missing cards, let's say I only have two of the four required colored cards, yep. I can pay the difference with money. And mm -hmm. so money engine in the game is really important. Um, and so that's an interesting balance as well as how do I connect and combo a lot of a lot of resources and bonuses. So I think it definitely is very different than Royals, but it still gives that vibe, simple concept of you draw a card on your turn and the cards um, dictate where you can essentially put your influence and you're trying to connect. Um, there's not like an area control, uh, but there are bonuses for building the first one to build in every uh, location of a region or, you know, there's, there's a couple different colors yeah. on the map too. There may be four orange cities or yep. three yellow cities. And if you're the first person to build in all those cities, yep. um, you get um, a bonus tile. Yep. And, the, and the placement is pretty free. You don't have to be connected somewhere to go somewhere else. Mm -hmm. You can place wherever you want. You're incentivized too, because when you place, obviously you get, you the, get the bonuses of all the chains, but um, you can kind of, in, in how I strategize, right? There is one bonus that, um, the interesting thing about the bonus tiles, right? So there's bonus tiles for your majorities, either in the three columns or in the four or five colors. Um, and when you got a bonus tile, you got to take like the special crown tile. So there were like five of them. So the first five people to claim a bonus tile get from descending, I think it was 25 points or something down to three. Um, so you're kind of incentivized to go for the bonus tiles. Um, I rushed for the bonus tile with the lowest requirement. I only needed to be in two cities. Um, so I got that extra chunk of points. But then as I played, I kind of connected those two together. So you weren't and then, getting as many early, early game bonuses. Right. And we were just a couple points apart. Yeah. Um, on it. And so I think if you're looking for a game that is more area control, ousting someone from their placement, now I'm in control of this area. Yeah. Oh, this one does that to me back and forth. That's Royals. Yeah. Or so if you're looking more for a little bit more of a Eurofill with some similar mechanics, um, but it's much more about of planning and, and how you do things affects yeah. you. Um, the only criticism I would say of this game is that there's, it's all or nothing for the, for the kind of race part of the game. So mm -hmm. if you're the first one to build in all the region or all the specific colors, it's either all or nothing. It's right. either you did it or you didn't. There's no second place of lesser value, mm -hmm. which I feel like the game could probably benefit over a little, a, a sure. little bit. Um, I mean, I do love the tension of a race. So you're looking at very early the game looking at everyone's first couple moves, what are they going after and where they're zigging? I'm going to yeah. zag. I could almost see the game being improved if you almost took the completion of the zones as um, like just face value. And then those crown tiles were just the bonuses for the first person to do it. Like interestingly enough, so so everyone like, who did a region even like, that? so, so, and I think that would make the blue ones like less powerful in the sense of like the two blues seem to be a very, so I was going in a position and we missed explaining this, but one of the auxiliary actions lets you take a second, second turn. action. Yeah, so I that. was uh, in a turn order where I started with three workers. So I was the only, I was the first person at the table that could technically do two primary actions on their first turn. So I took a deed and placed in the blue location on my first turn. So I had the advantage of being the first person to be able to do that. So I felt like that gave me a leg up just because it did seem that that was the clearly optimal kind of first play was to go for those because of the amount of points you got from it with the limited amount that you had to spend. Um, so if you didn't negate 
the ability to at least score the blue points later. Right? And I don't know. Obviously, I'm not a game designer. We're just thinking out loud because I thought the game was uh, was good. I enjoyed playing it. Um, but there were, you know, a few things. I think if yeah. it was a little easier to maybe manipulate or draw more cards, I felt like sometimes I got stuck just drawing the one card I got at the start of the turn. That would be an area where I think I would appreciate some some changes. Um, yeah, I do agree. It just seems a little strange that yeah, okay, that makes sense. You do a, a set, essentially a set collection. You you get a bonus reward. You do a a region. You you build in all the region, get the reward. But it just seems a little strange that now there's also secondary bonus tiles ranging at twenty five points, then to eighteen, then to twelve, then to six, and to three, or something like that. Um, just for the first person that completes any of those, yeah, regardless of which one, and that and that seems really strange because it it just almost seems counter, yeah, counter to like those are almost more swingy, yep. to get those early than anything else. Yeah. Like I almost would say the game would feel a little bit more balanced if you just remove those. Honestly, leave everything else the same. Like if you build in all the cities, because now the reason. Building in the two blue cities only gives you three or four points. Five points. Total. Five points. Yep. Compared to like if you all build the, all the or, yellows. All the yellows was 20. 20, right. right? There's just a lot more. And so that makes sense, right? But it doesn't make sense that based on turn order or. Yeah, because I built on those two cities, cards, I got an extra 20, 20 or 25, 25 points. points. Just because you were the first person to complete yep. any. Now, I'll go back through the rules again. Make sure. Did we miss something with that? I don't that? think so. Um, it did. It, it just seems counterintuitive a little but it's bit. Big brained it. There's nothing y'all could do to stop me. Yeah, I almost feel like. I mean, it makes sense that first person to get those. And but the thing is, there's a total of like seven, seven or eight. And so between four players, yeah. you're going to get something. You just got to prioritize. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I almost feel like the game would feel a little bit more evenly balanced if we had just take yeah. those couple couple extra like swingy point tiles out yeah. and i don't i don't really understand the the mechanic purpose of it it doesn't incentivize you it almost incentivizes you for doing less quicker things early on and mm-hmm. which doesn't really make sense for a euro yeah. design and and i think the last thing i would say that um was more of just a hindrance to the game not a fault of it um i felt like there was a a good amount of downtime especially when somebody was playing somebody out because Every time you play someone, you basically add up all the bonuses in your network. And towards the end of the game, that was six, seven bonuses. So someone's just so rewarding. You know, and and you, it's it's very rewarding as you're the player. But sometimes you don't really know what other people are all taking. You just see them taking cards, coins. They're bumping up on this. They're doing. They say, "Hey, give me five points here." Another, yeah. which you know, it's fine. This would on like BGA or something. This game would be pretty easy because there wouldn't be that upkeep. Um, it would be pretty clear kind of what you were getting from placing things, but just a a small criticism. I felt like there was some downtime as people were just kind of like counting things up or it was kind of annoying to have to go through. Yeah. It was a little bit learning game too, trying to understand which things were more valuable early. I think everyone underestimated how valuable getting cards were, which essentially was kind of money. Mm -hmm. Cards were almost more valuable than money sometimes because, uh, it's very expensive to replay to essentially yeah, pay for cards. Basically, you didn't have. three worth three money effectively because yeah. so if you I went for an early you card, had one card it was like one card is uh, one and ten coins, right? Then it's two and seven, uh, or sorry, three and seven. No, two and seven, three and four, and then obviously all four cards. Yeah, like and that. so I but, went for an early card, and so I had always had a hand, huge handful yeah, of cards. You always had the brown cards, and there was no brown. brown yeah, I started had to put brown people out, and so I, like I said, if you're if you enjoy that concept on your turn, you draw a card, you just draw a card on your turn, and then you have a couple main actions you can do with those right. cards, similar to the vein like of an Ethnos or Royals or Ticket to Ride. But this is a little bit more Euro-y, uh, combo-y, 
versus an area control uh, that some of those other games are. I definitely uh, would say check it out or take a look at it. I, I thought it was still a good game. Minus, I would probably look at maybe removing those just secondary bonus tiles. Um, but I thought it was good. And the last last game we'll kind of note here is so we we talked a lot about Dune here on the on oh, the yeah. podcast in the past, but number um, ten game of all time. I, think. I know, and I and it's a much more uh, deck building focused worker placement. There's a lot of worker placement deck building combo games now. I think that's kind yeah. of a big kind of a trend. Uh, but this one is definitely really focused on deck building. Uh, cycling cards, eliminating cards, comboing cards together, yeah. uh, suits of cards or, or or family of cards, faction of cards that that kind of synergize with each other. There's a lot of depth with that as well as worker placement. And obviously the Rise of Ix expansion, I, we would all say, fantastic. is fantastic. Probably a must-have. It rebalances some of the priorities on the mm-hmm. board, rebalances um, priorities of resources. Uh, really, really great expansion. Uh, add some tech tiles, but we but we also got the immortality. Immortality. Yep, we did get that uh, expansion back at PAX. We just took a while for us to finally get it to the table. Um, and so essentially, what this expansion adds is a couple things. Uh, it's a new track, new cards, and new factions, and uh, kind of a new ability. So an ability that it gives uh, for all players, essentially a tile. It's kind of like your family um, atomic. They yep. call it like family atomics or something like that. Mm-hmm. It essentially, lets you just wipe the whole the whole uh, market, which I think is great, but it could also be, be used tactically to, yeah. to hit some an opponent, which... Which happened to you. Which happened to you me. You were ready to buy the Kwisatz Haderach, the best card in the game, and then Brady was like, yeah, that's a no for me, and cleared the which whole market Which I think row. is... You end up winning, so you can't complain. Yeah, and you know, it was frustrating the moment, but I think it actually... that because sometimes a level you, of strategy. It's a level of strategy. And the thing is, I've been in the position where like, man, there's this great card. None of us can buy it. We can't do anything. And then they can... They're just sitting there... So what it does when you know people can wipe the market, it almost kind of makes because you can because you can actually forego your turn sooner. Like I'm not going to end yep. up using all my workers just so I can prioritize getting that card. I think it puts more attention on that. It essentially adds an immortality uh, track, which is kind of like a um, um, like a vine kind of spreading out split yeah. decision type track. You go up one, but then you go left or right, then you go left or right. Um, essentially, there's a new victory point track um, on the fifth and tenth space on the track. You can get some victory points. Um, it adds a new deck of cards that mm-hmm. require um, genetic mutations, which essentially when you go up on the uh, immortality track, you you will go over these green cubes. Some cards will give you green cubes. Essentially what you do is take one of your soldiers, allocate it to a part of that track, and then essentially this is a separate resource you can use to buy these new type of cards. It's an additional yeah. three cards that are in addition to the main market of cards. Um, the main things that these cards give you is an ability called grafting because uh, normally the way a uh, deck building worker placement game is you play the card the card will give you maybe a special little action but it also allows you to place a worker on a different part of the board based on some iconography a, a faction icon a desert uh, uh, political right those type of things um, but what a grafted card allows you now allows you to play two cards together per one worker yep. placement action, which could be really powerful. And use the benefit on both of them or the spaces on both of them. Yeah, and so that's a really powerful... The grafted card can't ever be used by itself, yep. though, right? Correct. And so to get its benefit, you must use it with another card. So that's a really interesting concept. Um, I, I I think overall, um, it also adds some, some um, new benefits um, for how you kind of use your cards. And, and, yeah. and what I mean by that is... Um, like faction alliance. And so 
like if you're with the Fremen, the, mm-hmm. let's call them the blue faction. Uh, if you're up enough spaces with that faction, now these cards are more valuable. It adds a little bit more of that right, to the game, right. which I think is always great. Um, I will say that this expansion um, doesn't... Well, it's not as essential as Rise of X. It, it doesn't add as much, I thought. It doesn't change the way you play the game or approach it. That that Rise of X, which adds technologies and some new warships, yep. dreadnoughts to the game. Um, but you I don't love think... The dreadnoughts. <laughs> I love the dreadnoughts. Um, but I, I don't think it... I, I would, it adds more variety to the deck building, almost more deck building archetypes, but that in it itself doesn't change the way you play the game to your yeah. point. It doesn't change the way you're strategizing about the game. I think it just opens up more options. So which I, I think, think it is great. It is just more good stuff Yeah, in a game that's already good, but it's not ne- like if it was missing. I wouldn't think it's a lesser game. Whereas yes. now I would not play base Dune without Rise of X. I think it adds that much more. Yeah, so um, it's not a bad uh, expansion. There's not anything that feels unbalanced or wonky. It just, it adds I was, more. I was just proud. I got to play my entire deck in, in one, one turn. Which so is crazy. The I fact drew that you three and that. I had about... 20 cards probably yeah and between all the different card um, draws i had and other things i either i drew through my entire deck got to play i think four cards through the mentat and other things what i will say is i definitely think this expansion is if you want to play the one like the epic, epic mode which modes, is yeah. to a, there's two different variations of it. there's a playing to 11 points or playing to 12 points yep i think this expansion is great for that Agreed. because it allows you to develop your deck a little bit more but also it gives a couple more victory point uh, options, options that everyone can yep. get to. Essentially, there's a there's a track that has victory points yep. on it the if you focus on it. So I think that's great. Um, but it's it's not a it's not a bad expansion, but it's not one that you have to have. Mm-hmm. Definitely, this isn't one you want to put out with any kind of new players. Yeah, because um, it adds a, like a new form of currency with the cards. Mm-hmm. You can still add in. The thing is, you can't play the new cards. I don't believe efficiently or effectively without the the. Yeah. Immortality. I, I think one thing I've appreciated um, as Dune has added two more expansions now is that I think with the base game, combat was the way to win the game. And the game came down to who could get that second level ship uh, spacing guilds combat spot every round. Yes. And now I feel that there are just more options. I think yeah. the influence strategy of trying to buy your victory points is very good now. And I think there's enough new cards that help with how you manipulate the um, influence tracks that getting more points from there versus just the base yeah. four. Um, so I think I've appreciated how they moved away from, Hey, whoever wins the last two combats wins the game, which is which brutal. Kind of like, and I've complained in a three player uh, game is brutal. And I, I, I'm interested in Brady's opinion. I, I'm sad he's not here. Right. Cause I know that was one of his big complaints is, Oh, why don't we just play the last turn of the game? Because it's whoever wins that last combat wins, which the last and, two times that I've won, I haven't won a single combat. Yeah, which um, you have to I do won the, a bunch of combats, and I wasn't even in. I think I got third place. So yeah, and the thing is, you have to go up on the tracks, no matter combat or not. So going up on the tracks is huge. Um, but then also, you there's the card that if you get enough resources, you can buy the, the spice yep. flow. That's a victory point. These other ones have new victory points attached to them. Um, and there's some little technologies and things that give you opportunities for some victory points at the end of the game. Yep. So I think all that's great. Um, the one thing I will say, and I know I complained a little bit more than I should have, is that some of those, and I think in, in your honest logical opinion, John, some of those faction abilities for your players are better than others. Eh. Would you agree with that? I think they're situational. I think you got so honed in that he got a couple extra bumps on the track. And the thing is, I think the best argument to just defeat what you're saying is that you won the game still. But I didn't use my faction, my my faction abilities because you got you bought two different technologies but that those, helped you. But those tech, so the tech one technology I got was I went tiebreakers to the end. Mm-hmm. That and didn't Jacob do was going to tie you, but but he didn't. So it, that technology didn't do anything for me. I had another one that would have allowed me to um, 
turn something like dreadnoughts or something in for victory points or or something like that. I never, I ended up never using. You them. did one win, win one combat with a dreadnought. So, anyways, I just I don't think it's as big a deal. I think there are some that I short, wish there was like a maybe, like a full on like like reverse turn order or some and, kind of like and drafting. We could, yeah, but see, that's the thing. It's like how try hard do we want to get with Dune if we really wanted to reverse turn order draft the player powers? Like sure, but it's just easier to just pick three and and you have to pick through them. And so, anyways, you can keep complaining about it. It'll be all right. I'm just saying Duke Duke Leto Atreides is very, very good. Pay one spice to go up on a track. That someone else is higher for free. Than you, and right? a four, well, I'm saying in a four-player game, especially, there will always be an opportunity to use that, which directly correlates to victory points. Too. One spice, mm-hmm. which which turns into victory points. Which you don't always have. I'm just But I'm if just you saying, know your faction, I you can always make you, sure you have I at least one. You. One spice to think that it might not be as over. It's good, right? It's good. It's 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 good. I guess what but I'm saying is, it's always usable. Isn't very useful, right? But if you had gone for more military, like you didn't pursue a strategy where you were trying to get both your dreadnoughts out early, because if you did, you would have just been crushing the combats, right? So like, I don't well, know. Well, that's my thing. Like combat early doesn't direct. Like I guess right. What, but but when you win with dreadnoughts, you get to send them out to the other things, and you would have been getting incremental resources every round. Well, the thing so, like, is, my dreadnoughts were worth is three. Str- I don't start with the dreadnought. I don't start with extra money to buy dreadnoughts. Everyone can right, buy their but dreadnoughts. It's only three money. It's not like it's yeah, but everyone can still get dreadnoughts as easily as I can, right? Right. And but so, you're, if if everyone is the same, then you're just. But my dreadnoughts 1% is better. worth three strength versus two strength. No, which four versus three. It's yeah, whatever. So the it's worth two soldiers versus one and a half. Yeah, and so which it's is a, big. In it's my half opinion. a soldier. The thing is, if someone just goes to like one of those. The, the spacing guild track and put out just five soldiers. My all dreadnoughts all useless. I'm saying, Matthew, is that it's not useless. You have a objective advantage in a zero-sum game where everyone has the same amount of troops. So if everyone had all of their troops and all of their dreadnoughts and it was all in the combat, you would have an advantage. Yes, but then I'm you also have to, cards, though. Right, but I'm, that's you still could get cards too. It's what you. I don't. I don't get. I, why you I don't. guess what it was. I don't have a. I don't have a distinct like. Whoa, Matthew's in the fight. He's not. We a, all need to be concerned because he's a he's a he's a combat faction. Whereas, like I say, something like Brady, because it's an extra strength. It's a, like a literal extra strength. One point, but I'm saying yes, someone can an have an entry card that could have a random could, two. But they, they can but reveal cards that give an extra need four. To rely on anything else to get extra strength. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, but and I, you're not. You're not. But I may not even get that out till the third or fourth round of the game, right? That's because not, no, I got mine out the first or second round. But there's only one person can go to that worker placement spot. Yes. Right. And so, so if I'm fourth in turn order. Then I'm not even getting my first dreadnought out to the first I'm round. I was over here rolling my eyes, everyone. He's but impossible. But you still you won the game, Matthew. I did. You won but the like, game. There's some factions where like it, your your passive ability is that no one ever blocks you on like the purple or yellow or yellow and green spots ever. Like never being blocked is huge because it gives you flexibility. He, the, every I don't know why round. you picked him because the guy clearly doesn't match the way you like to play the game. If you the other ones didn't com- seem very good either. I played with my brother and he absolutely crushed it with some dreadnoughts with that guy. Yeah. So, anyways, um, that was that was a. But long all that to say, I still really en- I enjoy the game. Um, you wouldn't know if you were playing with him, but he really does like the game. I do. Yeah. I I just want a small. I think is I've been ruined on stuff like, uh, um, Lorenzo with like the early game drafting for your asymmetrical powers and resources to where it just feels like you get yeah, what you're willing adds to like risk. Twenty minutes to the game. I know. And it's but just what's it's the re- just not but worth is reward it. enough though. Or bidding, are you some fact games it's like you bid not, for starting abilities? I I wouldn't bid. I wouldn't lose. Like the game is so tight already. Like what are you bidding? And I don't think going last is necessarily like the hardest thing in the world because turn order just cycles through as the game progresses. And the first turn is not necessarily like a big advantage to go first. So you'd then be giving them 
Like that's why it's just easier to do it randomly. Yeah. Like I don't think there's there's not it's not the same type of resource game where you wouldn't want to wager anything for um like a specific faction. None of the abilities are powerful enough. Like you wouldn't give up a victory point to get Leto Atreides, right? You wouldn't give up resources to get him because you know that you could win with any of the people in there because 95% of it is how you play the game on the board. And well, that, there's a small percentage. That's one of the of technologies I bought. I bought. It, the one technology says that if you're at least on space three of every um, faction track, you get an additional victory point at the end of the game. Yeah. Like that's where Duke Leto directly helps you not only to the victory points on those track, but secondary victory points related to those tracks. Right. But uh, your guy, it's like you're, you're ignoring any advantage that the person you picked gave you which was you could get that technology without needing to go to that space, or you could get slowly over time discounts to that technology. So you had a versatile way to spend your card. Whereas you could, you're ignoring the fact that also Duke Leto Atreides green ability is one of the, or passive ability is one of the worst passive abilities in the game, which is, is just cost. The green spaces cost you one less. It's terrible. You go to those green spaces maybe once or twice a game because two of them are once per game only, especially with I the mean, expansion. If it helps so you it's get like your worker, your thing, though, like, worker like, turn earlier just because you have but one. It, but it doesn't though because the difference between seven and eight is minimal because you're never just getting like one how coin. Much, how much increments. does it take to go to a place with the mintat? Two. So you go there for one, but nobody does. That's the thing because it's not a, so like you're missing the point that like there's balancing where you had two maybe medium abilities. Jacob had a really good one and one that's never really used. So it's like there's push and pulls on all of these. Yeah. But anyways, I hope you guys haven't uh, fallen asleep with the <laughs> long rant about... Um, hey, listen, if anyone else Dune, plays Dune and they, and they feel either like I'm crazy or it's like, Matthew, I, I think we'll the same put, thing. Let's do a tier list. Let me know. A we tier list? We could have done that for our episode today, but we didn't. Tier list. And we'll save that for, we'll save that for next week. Listen, Brady's not going to be here for, two, we have for a couple free weeks. free reign to do whatever we I want. Think, I think it would be interesting to do a tier list for Dune. Because I, I really do love... I love the world. The second... The trailer for Dune Part yeah. 2 just came out. I absolutely adore sure. Love the World. I think that the deck building is is great. Um, obviously, I, it's not a, obviously I wouldn't play this as a solo deck builder. Uh, there's other solo deck builders that I think are better, but the deck building implementation and how you, every game feels different based on the deck you build is great. And so, yeah, I think that'd be fun uh, doing a tier list and then uh, people vote and see which ones are are uh, more accurate. Um, but real quick, one thing we wanted to kind of highlight a little bit before getting our main topic, which is kind of, Deep diving a little bit more into Goa uh, Guards of Landis 2 is uh, obviously if anyone's been has their their pulse on the vein of the board gaming industry or been watching any news and stuff, the biggest thing going on in board gaming right now is Mythic Games. Um, oh, and yeah. uh, the only thing that kind of comes close to how significant this is was when uh, Simon wanted Simon made C- everyone sign a contract about <laughs> not refunding their game. Yeah, blood pack about not refunding their games. Your shipping just went through the roof. Nothing's even, and I think this may be in a little bit worse. It's a scandal, I would call it. Yeah. Um, so give us a little bit of, of context yeah, here. Yeah, so in, in context, and again, I haven't backed any of these games. I'm not an authority on Kickstarter or uh, current shipping prices, et cetera. I don't work in the industry, but uh, Mythic Games basically put out an update to their Rainbow Six Siege game saying... Well, real quick, I want to give a little context of who Mythic Games is. They're one of the biggest outside of like Simon and Awakened yeah. Realms are one of the big names in like... In like Ameritrash. Ameritrash, type. miniatures, like some context of games they've done is like... They did the original Mythic Battles Pantheon. Yep. They did Joan of Arc, Solomon Kane, Reichbusters, Super Fantasy Brawl, which still people love yep, today. That's a good one. Um, they did uh, Steam Watchers, uh, Hell, The Last Saga, Darkest Dungeon. Hell, The Last Saga is still trying to be yeah, produced. I, that's so. one thing to talk about, too. A Super Fantasy Anastir. Brawl 2, and then Anastir, Monster Apocalypse, and then their third most recent, the one we're going to be talking about yeah. today, is Six Siege, 
which is so current, a Ubisoft title yeah, from so Rainbow Tom Six Clancy. Siege is like a five v five strategic, uh, you know, attack defense video game, hugely popular, big Tom. IP, right? Um, so this game actually looked pretty cool. I almost backed it, um, but effectively they came out with this update that said, Hey, everything's ready to be shipped to the printers. We have not started production yet because we can't afford to Right? They went through this diatribe of here's how all the costs have increased. They had kind of an off-putting video, to be honest. Um, they're blaming the everything, and, Ukraine, um, COVID. Right there. So, um, and from my little knowledge of the industry, right. I know that things are obviously not back to where they were pre pandemic, but it's nowhere near as bad as where it was, you know, containers used to be close to 15 to $20,000. Now they're, they're closer back in the, the low thousands to where they were before. They're right? noting specifically printing like, right. Paper. They're talking about paper and other things like that. Cause they haven't even printed this game, but, uh, the short of it, right. Not to bury the lead is that they're asking everybody they're not really asking, right? So they're ransoming your game. Either or. If you do not pay an additional 50% markup, right? So yeah. if you did the base pledge, it's 39, was, um, they're asking an additional $39 for the right. core pledge. So the core pledge, I think was like $80. Then the gameplay all in was uh, 199. So if you've got the gameplay all in, you're having to pay an additional hundred dollars. And if you bought the all in, all in, it's like an another 130. Yep. Um, and which takes, which would take your, the all in, they call a smooth operator pledge was two sixty nine, which would take takes it all the way up to four hundred plus bucks. plus shipping you already paid, which I think was forty or fifty dollars. And there's a word of additional shipping costs. So um the thing that kills me is like so the game raised like one and a half million on Kickstarter, yeah, I think. It, and it, they're that's asking just on for the about uh additional eight hundred thousand yeah uh, dollars in funding. There um, were there were ten thousand eight hundred backers preliminary that doesn't include late Pledge pledges managers, other things like which that, always but. does and then there's always add-ons so i wouldn't be surprised if it's closer to 11 or twelve thousand backers yeah. and two million plus Call it. so maybe they're asking for another million dollars right whatever it might be yeah i think um, uh, one of the guys on youtube said a minimum i think the king of adri he said it was like a minimum conservative seven seven fifty yeah um but anyways they're they're saying so if you pay right so if you pay and if they get to their funding threshold, Enough which they haven't said pay. what it is. Yeah. So everyone's just assuming it's everyone has to pay otherwise. So if they don't get to the minimum threshold, or if you pay and they get to the minimum threshold, you'll get your game, right? As you're supposed to. Again, they haven't even sent this to printing. So this is at least another six to nine months, I would assume, through production, through shipping, through delivery, probably close to a year maybe at this point. Um, then if you, so that's best case scenario. If you pay and it doesn't reach its funding goal, they will refund you less credit card fees, less whatever other fees that they have to deal with. So you've already lost 5% at least, maybe 10% of You said they, they, they will refund these additional pledge if it right. doesn't. They will pay. refund your additional pledge. That's a, a, a key component too. Then if, not you, the base. if you don't pay, just flat out, if you don't pay, you will not get your game. Yeah. And you I, will not get your game, period. And then also they said, if you want a refund and they've dealing with, and we'll get into it in a second. If you want a refund, you have to submit your ticket. They're taking them in submitted order and they have a limited amount of refunds that they are processing on a monthly basis that's undisclosed right which so, is going to be pretty much nothing uh, effectively you you most likely will not get your money back if you submit a refund and if you pay there's no guarantee you'll get the game or when you'll get the game uh, and they're also doing a very similar thing with anastir um i think byron actually canceled his anastir pledge um, yeah, so which I'm is the most in, most recent one they did. Which is the most recent one, right? Because they haven't even started on that one until Rainbow Six Siege is done with production. So it just seems like this long train of, I'm assuming, mismanaged money, right? So the idea, and Byron and I were actually talking about this over the weekend, right? The longer your, 
your product takes to come to market, right? Or to get delivered, right? The more expensive it's going to be, right? Even if the yeah. materials price stayed the same, right? You're paying your staff Boy. longer to be working longer. So there's lots of costs. So, um, and they even admitted that, that, that they took, but the interesting thing though, is the game, the game was pretty well designed when it came to market because it's an IP game, right? So we yeah. saw this with chip theory in their um, elder scrolls game where they pretty much had most of the game done yeah. by the time it came to Kickstarter because you have to with all that. Like, it's yeah. just, you have to versus get all the different sign-offs. Cole Worley. Versus Cole Worley, who came out with ARCs, you know, a year it's and a half idea. ago. And he's like, did you see the most recent update with the new map? Yeah. It's like a completely different, like who in the world knows what this That's, game is I got be. burned when we, they did Oath is that, oh, here's an update. Here's a pack. I printed out cards. Like, it's so great. It's right. like, nope, this is all changed. Nothing. So, which, but the, you know that, you know that going but in. But it, it seems like mismanaged. And then also, I'm sure that the IP plays into it with Ubisoft needing a certain cut or whatever it may oh. be. So a lot of this money is most likely to pad their profits. So it remains a profitable game, but also I think mythic battles could go bank or mythic games could go bankrupt tomorrow. Right. Who knows? So yeah, cause this, cause what they, this isn't a, from my, what I've read and I've watched people who have had connections on YouTube and people posting this minimum seven fifty to a million dollars of, of infusion isn't, isn't just to do the project. It's to fund the company during the time the project right. needs to be done. Because from my understanding, and people have obviously, I don't work for Mythic Games or know anyone there, but from people I've, I've, I've read and watched talk about, it, is that they essentially have a model which a lot of businesses do, right? It's not anything unique. It's a cash flow based model, which there may be a better term. It essentially means that their budgeting, their planning is all based off. Well, I'm bringing in money now. I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing. But what right. happens if just one day? Something happens in that cash flow isn't there for a day, a week, right. or a month. And the, where's your business model at that's, now? That's and the that's thing, kind of where they're stuck. Right. One of the things that I think is really interesting, right, is that um, Kickstarter, and I, I was reading some long BGG article, right, about this. And too often Kickstarter is used to not just fund the project, fund but the fund the company, right? So, uh, I need more money. Here's a new project. Different example. And Chip Theory is a, a company I use often. I could use Van Ryder Games, right? Uh, but Chip Theory, um, they float their company on retail sales of too many bones. They've been very open about it. like too many bones keeps them in Cash business, cow. has kept them in business. You could say the same for root, right? I think a whole leader early and leader games say that too, right? Like root. And then it that allows them allows space. you to have space to design games, how you want them to you, but also not be as pressured with, um, you know, what was, you know, coming out. So when, you know, the pandemic hit, right, obviously everyone was hurting then, but companies that had strong retail presences like chip theory, like, you know, where the games, they were fine because they already outside of just needing to get the game printed. Right. Um, they're able to kind of sustain themselves through that business. Mythic, uh, mythic, I keep saying mythic battles, mythic games has no retail presence whatsoever. Very little. They showed they're at, they're at conventions, but right. most people buying their games, large percentage are from yep. the Kickstarter crowdfunding. And, and I don't know, like Simon, for example, I don't actually know how much retail they have, but they're almost like big enough that their name alone, like they've got, they do, sure, they do a lot. Like if you're enough. on any online stores, Simon games and right. products are everywhere. People, businesses but, purposely even back additional games to just sell to sell retail. retail. Anyways, it's just an interesting thought. Like I feel bad for anyone who's back well, this game and then is, is getting the concern is too. And like you mentioned, like, Hey, we need more money in our coffers. Let's go ahead and release our next project. Cause that's right. how we get in flux. But the issue is I, I did, I added up just the, just the known initial backers from their last five, uh, six projects that haven't released. I, I think hell the last saga is still yep. in production. No, it's not um, even, it's not even in production yet. It's in the queue behind six, even. which is crazy. Cause it came out, the campaign was before it. And I don't know if there's more development, but just on our known 
backers. This isn't late pledges. There's 75,000 individual backers. Some yep. people are probably multiple backers for different things, but there's 75,000 unique pledges for their last six projects, which is huge. That, I mean, that that's a lot. Even Darkest Dungeon made up 28,000 of that. Hell, the last saga, 17,000. Six Siege, almost 11. Uh, their most two, Anastare or uh, Monster Apocalypse, mm-hmm. about five or six. And so those those are obviously unique, smaller IPs. But 75,000. So they were, you know, some people online were talking that, you know, it was not just Mythic Games. Because we see these Kickstarter companies come in, they they fell, they shut right. doors. But Mythic Games is affecting a huge, like, there's no other company that has right. 75,000. There hasn't been the a company factors. this large that is going through this at this level, I would yeah. say. I mean, right? CMON so, does a lot of Kickstarters, but it, it, it gets things through the cycle. They have 75,000 right. on the hook waiting backers right yep. now. And so if they just go under and say, we just don't have the money to do money. anything. And that's a and huge I think it's hit for a, back, uh, kick, I, kickstarting. I think it's created a general distaste for a lot of Kickstarter stuff. Like there's not a lot out there right now that, and we'll get to in our main topic in a minute, uh, a game that I've gone back and forth and back and forth about backing, but I know I don't need it because other people do. But um, just in general, Kickstarter, like all the ones I have waiting, like Mythic Battles and other things like that, they've just taken ages. I'm kind of just like, you know, uh, yeah, I've got enough games like and this is how I felt with Elder Scrolls. I was like, do I need to pay an absurd amount of money and then get a game two years from now? Like I have so many games already. And so I feel like I'm slowing down on some yeah. crowdfunding, but also just like but this, this things like this. Make this me gives upset. me a lot of respect for publishers like uh, even though we we give them a, a lot of Garfield negative games, bro. Not, well, Garfield are. games, but also, well, they do kickstarting. But I'm going to say uh, we give Stonemaier a lot of criticism oh, yeah. as of late, but no one can hold a candle to, I think, their business. Of course, I don't know on the inside, but just yeah. on the outside looking in, their business structure on how they bring production games development to yeah. the table and sustainability on a very – I mean, Jamie does a ton of great content yeah. on YouTube, giving behind the scenes, talking about things. He does monthly emails and newsletters. I get those talking about their production. It's a very yeah. focused, tightly run machine. And they have some of the biggest games in the world rated yeah. at production sales numbers. Yeah. Um, and they don't do Kickstarter. At the, uh, the Scythe was their last Kickstarter from my recollection. Uh, they do pre-orders, mm-hmm. right? But that, hey, game's going to be 30, 45 days and the game's on your door, right? Yeah. It's already gone through production. They're just going ahead and starting the sales early. Uh, Capstone Games, all the games that they bring out and stuff, um, Arc Novas, those type of titles, none of those ever hit crowdfunding. They yep. bring table. And obviously, there's there's concerns with the risk. Um, is this game going to sell if we put money into it? Obviously, it's not going to have as big of an influx of cash early on, uh, but it has sustainability. Um, and you're just kind of, it's just kind of <laughs> like in some kind of investment banking that we see in today's economy. They're just putting the cart before the horse on a lot of these things, and they're not able to catch up to it. Um, and so it makes me respect a lot of those um, other companies a lot more for they're doing. Obviously, you know, even leader games will do things, you know, kickstarting arcs. It's going to be two years out, but we know the process. We, we, they have never had any issues on their product pr- production, their uh, delivery. The games have always been great. Um, you may not always like the games, but the production, what they provide you, the product is great. Right. Um, and so I think people are really, if mythic, and I don't, I don't wish for anyone to fail. Obviously, if people are doing things unethical, um, inappropriately, I don't believe you should be rewarded for that, right, in, in their business model. But I don't, I don't seek for people to, to fail and to lose their job necessarily, especially when it hurts a lot of people financially. Because for a lot of people, a two hundred, the, the pledge for six siege already was like two forty to something like that at its max before shipping. So that's a lot of money. Um, I was reading the comments. People said, I just can't afford 
And so now because I can't afford your mistakes, I lose everything. It's a bailout. It's short and sweet of it. Um, and so if they fail and go under, not only is it going to affect a lot of people, it's also going to probably affect a lot of other companies that are trying to use Kickstarter, but use it responsibly. But now people have lost trust. Yeah. Out, and this is people even outside gaming because mm-hmm. uh, Mythics uses a lot of IPs. Tom yeah. Clancy. A lot of those are probably not board gamers. And so people are like, I'm not touching this mess yeah, right. again. So it's going to have a lot of uh, a lot of fallout. But let's let's uh, talk about something that's a we know the quality. Oh. A little bit more reliable. So uh, how, when did we first get introduced to Guards of Atlantis, John? David, uh, our good friend David, man, he is on the pulse. The pulse. I man, was telling him. So I got to spend all weekend with David. First off, one of the best gaming partners out there. Um, if I'm going to play a game. Did you play spades with him? No. Now, see, he's not the best gaming partner. I didn't John. say the best. I said one of. One I said of. one of. Listen, no one has um, ever taken you on the highs or the lows hey, as I have Matthew, when play spades. If there's one person that's my ride or die, it's probably you. you Listen, know? double so, kneel. Hey, come double on. Kneel, we'll double spades. blind kneel. Yeah. We'll do it. Um, anyways, David is uh, always bringing new stuff to the table. He's always getting rid of the new stuff that he brings to the table before we have a chance to play it a second time. But um, Guards of Atlantis has not uh, been on the chopping block yet. In fact, he's painted all of his minis. Have you seen any of these? He texts Jacob and I, cause I've he knows seen you guys do some care. updates, um, uh, but he's painted all of his, uh, guards of Atlantis miniatures, or at least most of them. Um, but David was the first one to introduce this game to us. Um, it is, uh, and we'll get into some detail about how this game plays, what it's about, et cetera. Um, but when he visited, I think earlier this year, he brought it and, I think I've played it five times now, four or five times. Jacob, pick up the copy. Thank you very much, Jacob, for uh, bearing that cross. Um, and it's actually out on GameFound right now, right? We're not sponsored, right? We would love to be, but um, we're we're not uh, doing this as any uh, specific reason outside of uh, we've been playing it recently, talking about it recently. It's also available to get. There's no plans for retail on this game. So if you are interested, um, I would go check out that GameFound project. But Guards of Atlantis is a MOBA style. So MOBA stands for Multiplayer Online Battle Arena. So rooted in video games. If you think about League of Legends, Dota, Heroes of the Storm, which I love. It's a Blizzard game. Nobody plays it anymore. But um, MOBA style game uh, where players play on teams. We've played 2v2. They do have a 3v3 mode, which I would love to try. Players play on teams um, controlling heroes. um, And there's kind of a push element where there's a um, different win conditions. Uh, And again, we'll get into the details, but um, hero based game. Um, Matthew, what, uh, what things would you say uh, about guards of Atlantis off the top of your head uh, to kind of help set the context before we get into how it plays? We've got characters here as we got minions that we're fighting over. We've got different maps. We've got different unique strategies, et cetera. Anything off the top before we jump into kind of how it plays? Well, or why, why did you want to talk about it? Maybe that's a, that's a better example. This game is, has been a hot debate. So if we get yeah. a little, if we get a little spicy today. Yeah. So the reason why we talk, because this has probably been one of the games we've talked most about in Agreed. our group chats over the past couple months um, and just debating not only what the game does, but what the game is trying to achieve, Mm -hmm. what the game wants you to experience. How do you lean into that? Your expectations for the game versus uh, what the game is actually trying to do. Sure. Um, Because the concept, and I've talked about this before, the premise of what this game is, it is a team versus team level character leveling up competitive game um, with large, mostly known knowledge and so the game and we we there's other games like that we talk about like even something like the king is dead i say the king is dead is just a very stripped down euro drive version there's no miniatures removing around there's cubes 
uh, but it's a 2v2, limited communication with your partner, even more so when the king is dead, but everyone has cards that they can play in their hand. We know it. You're playing off of your partner. You're you're knowing how they play, how they want to play. You're setting your partner up for things. Um, and so the concept and premise of this game is checks all the box of what I look for in a non-Euro game that has structure, right? right? This isn't a Euro, but the game clearly has structures that everyone can operate in. That's where a lot of these um, Thrashy type games fall apart for me is just, we say fiddly. Um, some I think Western Legends is a great example. I don't think you've ever played it, yeah. uh, but anyone who has knows exactly what I'm talking about. It almost suffers from just how, I use the term a lot, sandboxy it is, right? There's no clear, I don't need to be guided on how to play. You need to play this strategy, um, but there needs to be borders that we're operating in that lets us focus our attention. And I think Guards of Atlantis does that very, very, very well, very clearly. Uh, the complexity is just in the different characters' designs. Yeah. And so the game offers um, team play, competitiveness. I mean, it gets as competitive. It's mono mono my mind, your mind. Um, it gives you opportunity to fail, which right. we'll talk about a little bit here as, as we go. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, but then also opportunity to grow. Replayability through this game is out the roof, especially with some new maps and characters that's yeah. bringing on. So that to me, that is why this game is so enthralling. But it's also the my favorite <laughs> my favorite quote that I use all the time is I always ask why does it hurt so much? Because it was real. Because it was real, right? <laughs> this quote uh, from the Hobbit where the elf her her boyfriend dwarf dies and she's crying. It's like why does it hurt so much? And then the elf king finally admits that the relationship was really says because it was real. Yeah, and so that that's where this game really falls into me. Like where I comment on on Kimmet, I say it's the most okay. okay. You game. don't feel anything. I don't feel anything. It. I feel everything. Oh, you feel things in this it's game. It's tingling, right? Yep. I feel every sensation. So I, I'm happy game. to give. A, that's why I want to talk about it more. Right. Why does it make us feel this way? What it's this game like? Even with Dune, I know I had those complaints because I love the game so much and I want to do well at it. That's the games I enjoy the most are the ones are, you complain are about. Are them willing most. to complain about or critique them? Because you and, care about it. Yes. And yeah. so I think this, the game, and I'm realizing that more like the first time we played Goa guards of Atlantis, I was just frustrated. I was like, this is just nonsense. <laughs> um, but as I've, I've looked you at, got yeah, but as I've looked more, I was like, I can see, we talk about games that we want to get better at. We can see yep. while we're learning this strategy, like that inner inner group meta, I think, are where great games thrive. Mm -hmm. Even something like Brass, that inner group meta, yep. we're learning the game together. We're learning those intricacies. And the games grow and thrive. I can tell you every game I've played this has been better. So um, I'm happy to give a brief overview of the rules and, and kind of how the game plays. We won't do a, a you know deep detail because I haven't read the rule book. I know I've been taught this game a few times. But to give you as a listener, if you haven't played or, or haven't seen, maybe you're checking out the Kickstarter um, or game found and, and want to know how the game plays. So um, we've played, like I said, 2v2. Um, it is a hero-based game. So you have an asymmetric hero that's got their own, I'll call it like a tech tree of cards that they can use at their disposal. So the game is played over a series of rounds. And in every round, there are four turns. So to start the game, every player at the table has their hero. They start with a hand of five cards. Um, and this is one thing that I'll kind of pause for a second, that I love the card system in this game. So as you grow and progress and level up, you have the opportunity to upgrade your cards. So it starts, you know, you have all level one cards and then you'll eventually get to the point where you have all level three or uh, all level two. 
and then the max is like a level three. And if you get all of those, there's and, an ultimate, right? And level up another time, you get an ultimate, which I have yet to see. No, um, but the game has, um, I could call them suits, really, but they're colors. You've got um, three colors. You got red, green, and blue, and those are your upgradable cards. You have a gold card and a a gray card and those are also all of them are unique to your heroes but those cards will stay the same Um, and there's also like a handicapped version of the gold card if you're playing with like new players um but or maybe it's the silver card but we haven't really played with that because we're all at the same play level so you will always have a red a blue a green card and then your two silver and gold cards um and just kind of a general uh, kind of thought process obviously every hero is is different and they have different play every card is unique ability but for the general premise is uh red cards red cards are attack cards more attack cards blue are more defensive yeah or utility yeah and then the greens usually allow you to have either movement or some interaction with other things on the board they're usually so from an initiative so every card has an initiative value too um so like i said at the start of every turn all the players have the chance to strategize. So this is one point that I think initially sounded like it was going to be a bigger deal, but as I've played, it really hasn't. When you're strategizing, everything has to be, you know, over the table. You can't go into a separate room or text your neighbor or do Morse code or hold up some semaphore flags. You have to say, Hey, if you want to tell them something, I'm going to let you. And that was the biggest kind of right turn off or knock for me at the very beginning. It's like, why do I want to, in my mind, I wanted to come with this great combo, great right. play with my partner. Um, but clearly, if my opponent heard that, well, I just move right. one hex over somewhere else different. So so an example being, right, hey, maybe my character has the uh, ability to influence how Jacob's character can move. And I can know that he'll be in this spot. So if you can go there to attack him or be in position, right, that would be great. But what you really need to know uh or what you really need to do is just be like, Hey, I'm planning on doing this or just kind of have that met like the mind melt. I felt Byron and I were playing and we mind melded, man. We had a couple turns where we weren't really talking too much about it. I said, Hey, I'm going to go try to attack this minion or, Hey, you should try to be near me this turn. And then you can kind of go off of it. What you can't do is like show your teammate this card and like point to your card and then say, Oh, like I want to do this over there without letting your opponents know what you're talking about. And I'll ask you a question and I'm mm -hmm. not saying that that that's wrong. Why do you think that is in this game? So I think it's mainly because the game it's trying to the end. game wouldn't break. Right, you had that right. It, I don't it also think so. I think it's trying to cut down on some AP in terms of the strategizing. So you can True. strategize as much as you want um, if you use, you use before you pick the games. cards, and then you um, have to be quiet, right? But when you're strategizing, I think part of it is the mind games of if you're talking out loud about what you want to do, maybe you do psych out your opponent or maybe they do have a counter for it. And I think the game is just trying to get you to decide what you want to do, stick with it, and then be able to react or kind of go off of it. To your point, I don't think the game would break if you said, hey, you can secretly communicate or you can keep things from your opponent that way. I just think it's not the spirit of what they were trying to produce. Um, so I think another part, and I think a lot of it was due to, to time almost, right. Or, or to reduce kind of AP, um, because once everyone's laid their cards down and they're flipped over, you're not allowed to strategize with your opponent because you can, before cards are played, say, Hey, remember, um, our opponent played his heavy defense card. He may be more right. vulnerable to attacks. That right. is that is loud. But the I other, can't remind you of that though after we right. reveal. So after we reveal the cards, the only thing you can really talk about is, hey, what does your card do, Matthew? Right, if you're on the other side of the table. Um, but like if you're sitting there and you're like, oh gosh, like he needs to remember that he can do this, otherwise he's going to be in really big trouble. Like you can't 
say that. Save your, and I think part of that is to cut down on AP. And also part of it is to just kind of enhance the team experience, create moments that are a little bit more like, oh, I made a mistake here. Or, oh, this was so cool that this part, like I didn't know you, they could do this. You really need to approach this more to the trick-taking teamwork style mm -hmm. than anything else. Obviously, right. you can't talk a lot on trick-taking. But, um, you but do, as I right? as I played the, <laughs> yeah, it's it's hard. To, I enjoy that communication, right. both table talk, psyching out your opponents, communicating with your partner. Um, but this is something I have grown less to uh, have contention with yeah. the more I've played the game, mm -hmm. right? And so that is obviously appreciated because you understand the and, game more. Like even our last game we played, I, I, Andrew and I were on a team. Um, I knew that the that the character Brady was playing was a ranged character that needed to be a certain distance yeah. away before it could attack. And so I positioned myself close enough to where if he didn't just essentially run away, he was going to get, because I was close yep. enough to where he couldn't attack me. I could get him. He couldn't go past me where we were at. And so yep. his only option was to run away. And so knowing that yeah. is great. The other big thing, like you mentioned, uh, before, before getting to that, I'm going to pull us out a second to just finish going through the high level of what yeah, high the level. game's about. And then we'll jump back in just so if anyone hasn't played um, it's not as confusing. So like I said, you select your heroes, you have different cards that you're upgrading throughout the course of the game. You have your attack card, kind of a defense, maybe a more utility card, and then your hero skill cards. But um, a round is pretty simple. You select a card, you play it. Every card has an initiative value. You resolve an initiative order around the table. Um, and what you're trying to do is either move around the board. Um, the center of the board um, has a bunch of minions in it. And so there's two ways to win the game, um, or really three. The first is to push all the way to your opponent's base. So throughout the game, we're gonna be destroying minions. If there's ever only one side of minions left on the battle zone, which is what it's called, it moves towards uh, that person or that person pushes it forward. So say I'm on one team, I'm on red team, you're on blue team. If I kill all of the blue team's minions, we will move towards advance yeah. the blue team's base. If we then do that a second time, we would advance into their base or push into their base and, and we would win the game instantly at that moment. However, the, the, you do have a disadvantage when you right. get into when your you push into and call it kind of maybe like the, if you imagine the board is like three, uh, like kind of thirds, the center is even, when you're on your opponent's side, they have one more minion than you. And when you're on your home side, you have one more minion than your opponent. So it creates this kind of, usually it pushes to an opponent's side, then back to the middle. And then there's a battle that goes to one side. I've back never to the seen it, at least in the games I played. Uh, a push win. I haven't seen that yet. Yeah. The other way you win is by killing your opponent's heroes a certain amount of time. So you'll start the game with five respawn tokens. Whenever you kill an opposing hero, they come into play on the start of the next turn and spend a resource or a respawn tokens equal to kind of their level. So there's three tiers um, based on the cards you have. So when you have all your level ones, you're, it would cost one respawn token. If you have all your level two cards, it costs two respawn tokens, all your level three, three respawn tokens. If you ever have to respawn and can't spend all the tokens that you need, you've lost the game. So that's the other big strategy that I've seen is going more after the heroes versus the minions. Um, and then the last one is really just kind of a, almost like a tiebreaker if you imagine it, but whoever wins the final push. So imagine the game, I push into you, you push back, you push into me, I push back. That's been a total of four pushes. Most games are played till five. Whoever wins that last push will win the game. So it doesn't matter. And this is, I think, an area we can get to where you maybe had some contention with it. Um, it doesn't matter. Maybe the other team won both pushes and you just push them back. If you win that final one, you win the game. So I think there was some uh, frustration with that mechanism interested on your thoughts, but um, at a high level, right? That's how the game goes. You kill minions yeah. to get coins. You use those coins to level up. You and level up to better cards, which give you more variety. One thing I'll additionally say is that this game really truly is, if you enjoy Gloomhaven and you're looking for a 
a non-dungeon crawler yeah. system that incorporated a lot of familiarities with Gloomhaven. This card game base, has yeah. a lot. You play a card on your turn based on initiative order, regardless of whose team you're on. That's what's played. Uh, it's all hex-based movement, and so a lot of the movement is very, very purposeful. And what I mean by that is, is some characters can only move in a straight line. Some yeah. character can only move if it's next to something else. Very on specific similar, cards. On is, specific yeah. cards. Very similar to Gloomhaven. A lot of abilities have push and pull mechanics. Uh, there's some similar area effect. If you're next to an ally, there's next to ally mechanics. Um, your range, you know, positioning I, I, is a massive. Yeah, very massive similar to Gloomhaven's attacks, range attacks. I feel, although no, they're not as complex and, and as deep as Gloomhaven, but like some attacks can only be done um, uh, vertically or horizontally or or diagonally, right. something like that. And they must be two. You can only do an attack if it's two spaces away next to a right. The cards will be very specific about what you can or can't right. do, which means that. And this is a, a thing that um, I think is another expectation setter is this game is not maybe as flashy as you would think it's going to be based on the, how it the looks. art and present. Yes. Um, the game looks beautiful, right? We can talk about the production, right? I love the look of this game, the art style. Awesome. But there's like one or two characters that can move and attack in the same round, meaning that everything needs to be calculated and planned ahead, but Multiple also turns. you have to be able to be flexible where like the feels bad is, Hey, I take my, this turn to move next to my opponent next turn. I'm playing an attack card, but they have a higher initiative and they just run away. So then I can't attack them. Right. So yeah. you have to, and I think this is where I've improved um, my gameplay over a couple games is I, you have to put yourself in positions that you're not just going to waste a turn if your opponent does something. And as you learn Multiple what your opponent options. can do, right, that'll be better. But maybe you want to set yourself up in a position where you can attack an opponent and a minion so that if they move away, then you still do something. Right. That's, but then, that's huge. But then that also feeds into your positioning, right? So am I putting myself in a place where I know they can only do melee attacks? So maybe I never want to stand next to a minion because if they move up to me, if I move away, then they want like so there's there's so many levels to this. And there's game. a little bit of a rock, paper, scissors, spock right. mechanic to this game, right? Melee versus range yep. versus some people who do movement abilities. Yep. Some people um, that just force you to straight up discard cards. So yeah. the other thing I was going to say that's like Loomhaven is when you kill minions, you get a coin. Yep. Those coins are then used to upgrade your cards. Absolutely. And so it has that, I, yeah. I don't know. Am I crazy on thinking that? I, feel I don't like think you're crazy. A like, lot it's of the not things a, I, it's not a campaign game, right? It's a outside of TV that versus it's team cooperative. Versus co-op, but co-op. if you enjoy having a unique character and some card based mechanisms where learning you know, that character, upgrading that character. And the thing is there's branching paths. Yep. Um, it isn't just upgrade level one to two. Level two has two options, and yep. they can kind of be a little divergent. It's not huge. And another cool thing. There so is a little building. When you level up, like Matthew said, you have a choice, right? So I'm leveling up. I maybe pick my red card. I have an attack. Maybe it makes my attack more powerful, and maybe one makes it ranged, right? So maybe I'm like, okay, I'm having a hard time getting close to people. I'm going to go upgrade my range to my ranged attack card. The card that I didn't choose then gets flipped around and gives me a stat bump. So maybe it gives me one a, defense, an extra one defense, movement. a movement attack. Right? Can, so that almost sometimes some I of choose that, that manipulates the choices too, right? Because yeah. that range bump can be huge. Like I was playing this character against um, David and Ryan um, and it had this card. It was a radius of three, meaning that within three spaces around me, I could swap the position of two enemy units. Yeah. Really, really cool. Um, and then I upgraded a card so I could get an extra radius. So I effectively had a range of eight that I could move someone. And I pulled David on the, towards the last round, I pulled David from four spaces to the right, 
swapped him with a minion four spaces to the left and then put him effectively eight spaces away from Byron. And he's almost out the rest of that round. Just in one turn, I swapped him around and took him out of the fight and we were able to kind of finish it off. So there's some really cool ways that every game, even if you're playing the same character, based on your opponents and how yeah. the game is playing out, you'll want to upgrade things different there, the, ways. Because there's been times when I chose my upgrade based on that stat bump. Yep. I need, you give yourself a, a priority for initiative order yep. or additional movement, which some slow characters huge. Yep. Um, and so you've mentioned before, the way the game ends is, a, there's a short versus long. Short yep. game, I think, is great for short learning. Short game's like a learning game. Neat, I would almost always want to play You need to five. play the long. However, yep. the trick is, it can make it a long game if you're playing with people that aren't focused. Yep. Right? Um, and that is a little bit of drawback, but I, I thought about Matthew, where is, where is my contention? Where's my frustration, um, come from the game? And I thought about it more and I, and I think I, I kind of concise it into just a clear thought. Mm-hmm. The game doesn't end the way I want it to, sure. not that it doesn't have the outcome win or lose that I want. Obviously I always want to win, but how the game ends, because we've never had the game end, at least from when I played the way I feel it should. Either by hero deaths, mm-hmm. you're killing your other heroes, they've lost all their health points, or you push into their, or, or you pushed it yep. enough into their territory and we just, we won. It's always ended, well, someone the, someone just won that third or the fifth push and you win. And I always feel like, well, we just kept playing to either we killed the heroes enough right. or we pushed in, we could have or should have won. It's kind of, and I was thinking this, it's kind of like, like think of a basketball game, right? The game ends after, yes, four quarters, but it's whoever has the most points after that four right. quarters versus like the style of those kind of um, those kind of other leagues adjacent where it's like whoever just hits 100 points first just wins and the game yeah. is just over. And I'm kind of like, we could be the better team. We could be playing better. We have the better strategies. But there yeah. was just one two-minute stretch so, where you outscored us and then the game is just over. Whereas like I would, if we kept finishing, we would have had a better chance to continue right. pushing to the player deaths so i would push i would think of it this way and so first off i think that's a fair criticism and what matthew's referring to is the fact that there's kind of this timer right so after the the fourth push um if it's back to the center at this point obviously whoever wins it um, whoever wins wins it wins the game so and sometimes the idea being it's almost like a sudden death mode saying hey you're in it's it's almost like you're in overtime first one to score wins and you're on an even playing field like college like college football is whoever scores first whoever scores first just wins and i think that feels worse if you were the team that you would call in the lead the whole game right so i pushed into their base or towards their base twice they held me off. They only held me off because they had an advantage, right? So yes. I felt like I went back to the middle. I felt like I've outplayed my team, and then they're able to, you know, beat us on that last one. Which they still have to do um, things to win. It's not. It's it, not a candidate the, to the, them. The counterpoint I would make, I guess. So first off, I think there needs to be um, kind of this sudden death round just for the game length, right? So you're already at about two probably hours at this point if you're going back and forth. And if people are not targeting uh, other heroes, you might not be. That like it could make the game go probably an extra hour if you didn't have it. Um, the other thing I would say is that the team that is more regularly winning the push is probably a higher level because as you kill minions, you get coins. And so seeing that you have killed more minions than the two times it was in the middle is more than likely you are at least one, maybe two levels higher than your opponents. It's possible. It's not guaranteed, but it's possible. So you should have a slight advantage based on the cards that you have for that final push, right? So that's one thing. So you should have a little bit of an upper hand. Um, But the other thing I think is that 
you could probably just plan around it a little bit better. Meaning you could, yeah. you could posi- knowing that you're not going to win the push into the base. If you can recognize that yeah. you have the opportunity to come back. But yes, I say if that's a complaint on, that you have on the game, and I, I think, think it's that's just mindset mindset. Cause my mind, I was like, I get so I, I want to, I want to get those heroes. Right. I want to do the push, but like the last game we played, Andrew and I were on a team and we, we, we cleared out the center area for the first push in like two rounds or mm-hmm. a round and a half. It was quick. We were on a roll. I think uh, we may have killed Brady or one of the heroes. We got one hero death. We pushed them into their area. We got another hero death in yep. their own area. Um, but they did just have the minion advantage, which cascades. Cause when the minions, if you're, if we have one more round, you basically, there's a minion fight phase and you count up the amount of, so the reason that having an extra minion is an advantage, you count up all the minions in the zone and then whoever has less loses additional minions equal to the difference. So yeah. if you have five, the opponent has three, the opponent loses two minions, they yeah. get down to one. So and it makes so it easier. We were, we were really strong position, but their minion advantage saved them. And then, so we all just went back to the middle and they were just positioned earlier and quicker in that middle area to get the minion they beat us by minions in the middle right. because Brady had just abandoned gone back to the middle and he sniped a couple early right, right? He, which he did what he needed to do to right, win right, right? And, I'm taking that away but like my feeling was like man we Andrew and I were such we were our characters were leveled up faster because we were killing things efficiently we'd already gotten a couple of hero deaths I was like if the game just went on a little longer yeah. we could and, have maybe gotten another hero death or we could have had a chance to push back yeah. And so, so my, like ca- my counterpoint to that would be that like, if you see Brady abandons that push, like, was there an opportunity for you guys to try to level the minions and then turn the push into the base? Right. So like, depending on when someone would like abandon the push on their side, I think there's opportunity to try to, cause it's only a one minion advantage, meaning that if you can kill two in one turn and your opponents only kill one. Well, what, what we did, we tried no to, we attrition. tried, if we had defeated Jacob one more time, the game would have been over, right. which we almost did. We got him down to last card. His last card just had, he was playing like Medusa character and it was just a really powerful card that just blocked all the damage. And so he just kind of like one card, at the last moment saved him. I yep. mean, he played it well, right? Um, but we, so we focused off the minions a little bit. And so it went back to the middle. Um, it's just like all the effort and all the pressure. Yeah. Yes, we went to there. They won the push, but it's not, I felt it wasn't as much as them as their minion advantage. Sure. I'm like, okay, we're now we're back in the middle. We got to reset, but no, the game just ends now. And I and so like well, you, you you reset back to the middle and then you have to win that push. And at that point, it should be even odds. And so you're saying what bothers you is the fact that even though you were winning, you weren't able to leverage the winning, like the the advantage you had before in the final round. So when you lost that, it fell back because you're like, hey, we did more earlier in the game and that should count for something. And it's not even a matter that we lost, even if we had lost, like we lost that round, then it we reset and go to ours and we position back. It's just like the game just hard ends. Right, but the reason for it hard ending is because it would it would just be a yeah. never ending And so cycle, that is, so. and I think that's more, I've got to adjust my expectations yeah. and I don't, I haven't played a lot of the full. I will say the last, the last two games I've played, I've won on hero kills both yeah. times. So and that's what I want. That feels a lot better. Cause you can be like, hot, got him. Like you got might him. even like be pushed into your side and you're just focusing on killing their person. And as you mentioned before, you, you maybe not here, but you, we, we talk about all the time to get a hero kill. It's not as simple as I attack you once. Right. You got usually it's not, it's, and it feels good. You got to coordinate or wait till they've used their cards. Um, but or some, just cheat like I did against uh, Jacob where I and overuse your and abilities. But sometimes one other little criticism I, I can't have is sometimes when it comes to hero death, it's either all or nothing. You don't have health. Yeah. You don't have it. If you take one damage, you're dead. Right. Right. And so if you just, they just happen to have one point of damage and you just, for whatever reason, had played a card sooner and you should have held on to defense. You so, just, you're just 
I and think you're out of it. There's something you said, right? So if they just happen to have something that's blah, 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 blah. I think that's like, there, there's no luck in this game. Well, what I'm saying is they the didn't that, expect to kill you. They were just at least but maybe trying they, to get a they car They probably out. did though, right? So so that's the thing. There have been times like we were playing and I was playing against Ryan. I knew the value of his defense on the last card he had in his hand because I knew he had played it before at the round, right? And so I knew that I had one card that would be one more defense than he was able to produce. So when I attacked him, I knew I was able to kill him even though he had a card, right? So like, yeah, I've done it to Jacob yes, before where but I even just, if they just discard a card, then it's still good. That's a benefit. Yes, but, but if you're truly saying I need to kill them there, you should be able to with reasonable certainty be like, okay, he's played his blue. He's played his green. Those are usually your higher defense. Maybe your red is too, right? That's but, part of the game. Well, I guess what, because what happens is like say initiative order. Yeah. So like once you play your card and we all reveal similar to Gloomhaven, mm -hmm. that card's locked. And so what happened, I didn't to, to Jacob before my memory is I just was at least going to try to get him in a bad position, make him lose a card. Cause sure. I knew he could defend it. So I was going to attack him. I was going in, in higher turn order. So he couldn't move away, sure. but the card that he could have had to defend himself happened to be the card that he had already locked into play. And so yeah. I wasn't even intending to kill him. He should have, could have survived it. It's just right. But that was, a, that was based on like Jacob wasn't expecting you to attack him or was expecting something else. And right. So that's Jacob's mistake. So it caused him to die. Right. And then it's you know, like, well, I didn't, even, sometimes it could, I could feel frustrating. Sure. I guess. Yeah. As you're, as you're um, new to the game, it can definitely be like, we had, I had a frustrating moment against um, one of Jacob's friends when we were playing a couple of weeks ago where and this game had been unique. We had been like super openly sharing. Like every time we upgrade a card, people were reading out what it like. It was like that. And then they kind of like stopped two thirds into the game. And then we thought we set up this perfect turn where like I froze him in place. And then our buddy charged in and was attacking him. And then he just flipped over this card and he was like, ha, I got parry. And it was like he had upgraded a card to change it from block a ranged attack to block a melee attack. And didn't know. it was frustrating because we had played that whole game with this idea of, hey, we're all sharing what we're upgrading, et cetera. And then he didn't say anything and turned this over. So like that was frustrating. We ended up winning anyways because we were better. Um, but um, that can be frustrating, I'm sure. But like the game we just played with Brian, uh, Byron and Ryan, um, we didn't even talk about what cards we were upgrading. And people, we just played pretty snappy and... You just kind of learn, like, I think that's the best way to play it, not slowing down to say, like, my card does this. I'm upgrading it and putting it into my hand. You just kind of roll with the punches yeah. um, and I, go from there. Yeah, and so I would, like, with this new Kickstarter, there's, there's some new characters, there's oh. some new maps. Um, Four stars, But I think man, what yeah. I'm going to start doing more, which I have a tendency to do in, in other games or even video games that I play, is I pick a character that I, is fun, and I just stick with that character. I just keep playing it and playing yeah. it, not even mastering the character, mastering the game. Y'all, y'all, you know what? Me all I the bet, time. I bet if we asked Andrew if he's available tomorrow, he would play Guards of Atlantis and Jacob would play it too. Yeah. And I'm still going to play what Brogdon the Destroyer or whatever that Brogon, Brogon the, the Viking guy, um, and just keep playing him again, right? Um, and I think that's where you can start appreciating the other decisions because um, there's a lot of different complexities, uh, but some of those com high complexity characters are just very situational and swingy and things out of your control can affect them. Uh, which isn't things I enjoy the most. Um, and so the, so this is a game that, like I said, makes me feel a lot when it's going well, but yeah. also makes me feel a lot when it's not. And again, I, I think shaping expectation, because what I want is hero death, victory, or we pushed it. Because if either one of those happens, it's like you deserve that. You just didn't happen to kill heroes enough or just happen this, to push all the way yeah. versus I think it's more so a, a issue with the shorter game. Sure. The shorter Ab game. Absolutely. If you're doing a three push game, that would be 
almost because always. you could win the first push it could come back and then the game's over the next one like i think that's fair I would always want to play a long game. Um, I would be interested, and I don't know if this is a mode or anything. Is there just a way of like the minions just aren't on the map, and it's just our heroes versus right here. your heroes? I or I even thought, no or I even thought about this idea is like because the minions they give you some extra defense or extra attack of it. Yep. And what you do is you kind of do a draft at the beginning where each team gets to place three minions of their choice wherever they'd like, and you take turns in the center Let's area. Let's get the base game like the normal stuff played a little bit more. Before and then you we go in and then you just game you're not killing. The minions necessarily you can, but the minions aren't killing each other for pushes. You're just going in there and you are the game is only won or lost by heroes deaths. That's it. There's no pushes, just hero deaths. <laughs> I think it would break too many characters that are based around uh yeah, farming the thing like is, there's a lot of great their characters where it's all about manipulating I, movement on the board. I would say I feel like this game is relatively approachable too, in the sense of on the basic characters. The mechanics are not too complex. There's some uniqueness, right? The characters might be very unique in how they operate or specific in how they operate. But like each character board has like a backwards, like this character is good at long range. They have high mobility. Like I feel like most character uh, cards will set the expectation for what the character does pretty well. So I'm excited. There's such yeah. a wide variety of characters too with the new Kickstarter. I think they're adding it's on game more, found right now, including a, a Gandalf esque character. character. Yeah, they're adding uh, and they're updating four star difficulties. Matthew, first time we played, he's like, What's these? What's the stars on the back of these mean? Oh, that's the difficulty rating. Oh, I'm only picking a three star character, and then you had a miserable time. But because yeah. um, in my mind, difficulty means difficulty better. means better because yeah. you're saying, hey, the P brains can't operate this. So character. to play this game, you need four people, four people yeah. that are willing to at least play it several they times. They are coming out of the two v or one v one mode. One v one mode. Um, the one thing that's dusting crazy is just three v three and a four v four. Game That'd modes be pretty legit. You can play that, up to ten people. Yeah, that 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 seems ludicrous. You're, you're talking about two hour game for four people. That's going to turn into that's TI four level stuff going on there. And there's that no map way to coordinate. Yeah, there's no way to coordinate stuff efficiently. You're going to be frustrated by yourself and teammates more than your opponents the entire game. So don't do that. Uh, but definitely look into the game. Um, like I said, if you in, have enjoyed, if you played Gloomhaven, and there's things about that character progression, leveling up, yep. initiative order. Uh, gaining coins when you defeat minions to upgrade your cards, positioning, or you enjoy other two-player games, even trick-taking games, that kind of communication, the king is dead, other things like that um, to where it's it's understanding your partner. And this is a game where, honestly, the more I've played it, the more I don't think this is crazy. Play the same people, play the same characters with the same partners a couple games in a row is not a crazy, crazy no, thing to do because at, the game at would, all. I bet every, all three of those games would play out differently too. And would play better each yeah, time. Every time. And but. so that's that's where this game has so much potential. It just fits. This game has legs. It has. It has. It has it's a grower, not a shower. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Um, but it had, meets all my box. Cooperative, team play, competitive. Yep. Um, progression. You become a better player. The game becomes better because of it. Yep. As well as working with your partner. Um like I just said, it, it, so much of this game, you have to shape your expectations oh, yeah. uh, of how the game plays. Cause when mm -hmm. we first sat down to play, we thought this was going to be an, uh, uh, like a battle arena type game, right. which other games like mythic battle or things we've looked right. at, it's very in your face, punchy, right? Two dudes fighting each other for going at it. It's, it's, it's methodical. Mm -hmm. This game is methodical. But, um, and there's not very rarely is there going to be one big flashy play and, yep. and you can get behind, right? There's no, there, there's not, yes, there is teleporting one area of the board, but it's, it's limited. Right. And so movement is very hard. And so if you are positioned poorly on the far side of the middle region, when the push happens, 
you're not going to be involved for right. a while into the next region. And so it can, it can punish you for mistakes there. And I think seeing um, the future and calling it, it's yeah. like calling, Hey, we're going to lose this. Let's go ahead and start positioning. Right. But you know, I love calling things when I think they're going one way or the other. <laughs> um, so I use that for, to my advantage. It's like, let's go ahead and start positioning ourselves in the next arena. Yeah. And so that, that is shaping the way you play, play the game. Um, a big impact on, yeah. on how much you enjoy, but definitely go on Game Found, look at it. It is a big game. Um, there's it, a lot. There's a lot. You can I just buy the base game here, and I don't think it's that expensive. I was about to ask, it's less is than there, 100 bucks, I think. Okay, I didn't know game. there's a the slim down. But you like, would want more here. characters, other things but, like that. But they but. have add on packs, right? Yeah. And then you could get the big box Pick if you need it, cool. or you just go ahead and get the all in big box. Um, there's yeah, there's a ton of characters in it, different and completely different play styles, more aggressive, more um, defensive. Um, yeah. ones that focus I on think, special abilities. Yeah, I think so. They've got a couple like key feature bullets and I think some of these are pretty cool. Like it says epic memorable plays and last moment comebacks, right? So you're never really out if you think about that last push, right? Which is cool. There's full player agency. There's no dice to roll, no decks to shuffle, right? There's also simultaneous play with limited downtime. I think that's a big bonus for this yeah, game. Yeah, the, the game is downtime. all simultaneous until we then resolve our, our initiative order. And, and full focus on team plays. In other words, like coordinate with your friends, no quarterback. Yeah. Right? I can't just tell you what to do because I need to trust scary word. Scary word. I need to trust that you're going to, you're going to pick up on what, like the best thing is when you play your card and you see what your opponent's doing. You're like, Oh, we could do this. And I make my play and I'm like looking over at my team. And, and I'm you like, have to be able do, to, do uh, they see it to adjust on the fly. Right. Uh, Cause the thing is the card can be used for its base ability or for auxiliary movement or something. Yep. You may have to just, Hey, we got to pivot. Might have to change. Um, Cause I've been, I've been playing overwatch a lot here at John. <laughs> Um, and one thing I've been watching a lot of videos online about game theory and, and, and crafting yeah. your teams and compositions. Um, that's the same thing with this. Yeah. There may be two phenomenal players. You play great with this play character. You, the other, your partner plays great with do this character. Great but, together, but, but do not you, but those do those characters play great yeah. together compared then to your opponents. So it's not mm -hmm. only how do my character synergize with my partner and then how does, does that give us options? Cause we've played yep. uh, games to where both of our characters, mine and my partners were very slow. Yeah. Right. And so we both were doing the same kind of thing and the other team was more diverse. And so they were able to go around us and do a lot of things. And we, we lost that game rightfully. Yeah. So, and so looking at you, okay, my character can do this. Where can your character fill in the gaps? How can they synergize right. off with each other? Right. There is uh, I played a character once where their whole thing was like removing tokens or mm -hmm. like, essentially cleansing things yeah. that happened, but none of my opponent's characters put any of those stuff out. And so knowing that, and I don't know, do you pick characters simultaneous or do you go back and forth? I think you're teams? supposed to just pick them all at one time, but I don't that know. Be one could thing. That it. could be a big thing because their characters, that's, that's their gimmick. You just keep on to add time before we even play the game, Matthew. <laughs> to make it better. To make, make it, better. it better. Okay. All right. So we've, we've been, uh, waxing rhapsodic about uh, about guards, guards of Atlantis. Atlantis. You might see it on the 2023 top games. Of it will, all year it will make game. our top 50. Um, next it's year, that's for pretty sure. high on my list because that I, I, can't I would tell you, say guards of Atlantis very high on the fun points. Yeah, and I can't tell you for sure it's going to be on my top fifty or where it may lie, but it's it definitely going to be on three of ours, at least three of yours. Um, yeah, so if you've played guards of Atlantis, let us know your thoughts, things you do don't like about the game, heroes. Um, honestly, we haven't even touched enough of these heroes right. to even do and a ranking. David had eight more than uh jacob and they're coming out with i think another eight yeah i want to so. play gandalf that sounds great we there's no way we could possibly do a tier ranking right Shoot. now there's some people online who have um but let's know your thoughts if you're interested definitely go and check it out on game file i don't know how much longer it's going to be on there two weeks maybe wow okay so there's a pretty long uh you got some time pro long project i can pull it up and just uh verify 
Yeah, uh, 17 think, days left. I think the all-in was somewhere around like 250, and then they had some neoprene mats you could get to. But the base game, I think, was like 60 or $70. It's in a different currency, so I didn't know the conversion off the top of my head. But um, if you're interested, if you're like a League of base Legends player... is uh 59 pounds. Yeah, so probably like 70 bucks. 70 bucks. Something like that. Yeah, includes everything necessary for two to six players. Yep. So I'd say there's at least... It'll have the base mats. I think it has seven heroes and it's got all the minions, all yep. that other stuff. And another thing we haven't even touched, right? There's a whole mechanism where after the second push, minions will start to get different bonus effects. There's different cards you can draw. There's whole modular systems. Isn't you there can like add an event deck or something? There's different things um, you can add. I think would be interesting to try. But the game's just in its purest form. It's just good old fun. So... Um, I hope you've enjoyed listening to some of our ramblings on uh, Guards of Atlantis. If you uh, have the chance to play, maybe have a buddy that has it. Um, I would encourage you to check it out. I think there's an online implementation. Don't know much about it on Tabletopia or something. Um, haven't checked that out. Is so Jacob it, getting the metal tie breaker coin? I believe so. Oh, he better nice. be. If he's not, I'll Venmo him for it because he Absolutely. needs to. Uh, but he's getting the neoprene play mats. I know that. Um, and he's getting the tuck boxes for the hero. So, oh, um, any other thoughts on Guards of Atlantis? Um, no, it's it, we're still on the journey. And we're so, on the journey. Let's the play journey. tomorrow. I vote we play. Yeah, well, I want to we, by this episode when it airs, it'll be in history. But uh, we should play tomorrow. Yep, and then I'll bring Fuse too. It'd be a great night. Shoot. Shoot. Anyways, all right. So updates, John, on the March Madness. And when we say March Madness, this is uh, we're in May now, and it's not us. It's whoever it has long. We're, we're not even done with it. There's still another set of votes that need to be done yeah whoever's organized this decided to make this the spring madness it, it's like um, a week and a half between rounds for voting it's crazy but um anyways we are down to the final four or they're calling it the semifinal. so the games that will go into the championship so we're going to go through those matchups and then uh, we'll try to pick a champion so we've got spirit island versus ticket to ride spirit, spirit island, island is the favored seed here um, and it was indeed spirit island that has won 55 percent to 45 so pretty crushing victory there People love Spirit Island, man. I haven't broken. How out many in games a while. you said are left? Four, just four. So there's okay, two, two matchups, yeah. right? So Spirit Island, Spirit Island will be heading to the finals. Um, I think, you know, Spirit Island was the champion last year. It's crazy. Spirit, and, oh, Spirit Island did win it last year, and uh, it's crazy because I know people who people who play it love it. There's a but big there's new just expansion not, coming too, but not a lot of people play this compared to other ones though, which is crazy. Still getting, I don't the votes. see a lot about it online, but I think it's still probably got a but pretty the new, healthy the new horizon. Is it called new horizons or something new like horizons, that? Yeah, it I've is, got it. I haven't played it yet. Yeah, essentially kind of like what they're doing in my little Everdell. Yeah. It, it's essentially a, a streamlined version that you can introduce the game. Same thing with, uh, um, Terra Nova. Yep. But, um, so spirit Island, one of my favorite co-ops, I think there's so much variety. I want to get that played again. Um, I just almost forget that I have it. Um, I've been playing too many chip theory solo, so I'll have I that. part of me wishes that Spirit Island was a two v two, two players as spirits, oh two gosh. players as the the invaders. Matthew, something just like, like that. Like a game for what it is, or it was one v all, like one play. I just feel like when I played Spirit Island, I wish there was more competitiveness. Competitiveness it's against not a competitive the island game. Well, yeah, that's why you have to add the difficulty and scenarios. You, you've only played for the most part the base stuff. You got to add. Based Y'all don't want to play anymore. Being more difficult. Island. Every time I was like, Jacob's like, go, I'll jump on a difficulty six tomorrow. We'll get trounced. Jacob's always like, I don't want to lose all the time. I was like, yeah. losing is where it's at. Because it was real. Anyways, the uh, the <laughs> yes, second one. Very real. Um, the other semifinal was Wingspan versus Terraforming Mars. Oh, the thing is, Terraforming Mars has won two or three years. It um, was champion 2019 to 2021 yeah. before getting dethroned by Spirit Island. Man, 
I terraform. I'm going to go terraform Mars. Terraform Mars. It was 47 yeah. to 53 percent. Ter- so ter- this is the same matchup mind- as last year, I believe. Terraform Mars I, versus Spirit Island. The thing is, there's so many more people who play Terraforming Mars, like to an nth degree, more people play Terraforming Mars plus Ares Expeditions. And it's a higher rated game. I don't understand how a more played, higher rated game can lose. But hey, I think Terraform Mars. A bunch of people's grandmas are out here we're, voting on this. We're out of out of main COVID time. I think Spirit Island probably got a big boon with a lot of solo players. Terraform yeah. Mars also Didn't played solo, a, believe it or not. I think is uh, don't they both? They both have an AI implementation. I think no Terraform. Yeah, yeah. I know uh, Terraform Mars on Steam has a, a beautiful, great app, great implementation of it. Um, I think Spirit Island does now as well. I definitely iOS for it. All righty. Well, that is going to be it, I think, for this week. Uh, definitely jump on the Discord. Let us know your thoughts on uh, Goa, uh, some of these recent plays. And are you one of if these backers? If you played the on, giant Cthulhu miniature, I want to know. And are you one of these backers on some of the Mythics uh, in projects? And what are your thoughts? Uh, we've been going through the comments. and It's not, it, it's not pretty. It's not pretty. Siege so, was number one on the hotness, but that's because of all the, the negative, negative activity. I'm curious it. to see. Should, it's less you, than a four right now. You remember when Ares Expedition came out, everyone was... Uh, uh, hate, review bombing hate, it review of the bombing and putting ones. I need to go and check to see people are doing that for six siege. But if you're one of the people on uh, any of their previous six six Kickstarters and you're like, what's going on? Let us know. We're curious in your yeah. thoughts. Are you going to send in additional stuff? Um, and then also, we wish Brady best uh, best wishes as he's living up life and uh, Santorini. Maybe he'll Greece. listen to it. Do you think he'll listen to it? They have right, internet. So they Brady, have internet. if you're listening, hi, we miss you. And we, we miss you. you. You better come back tan. Like, oh. I better not recognize you when you walk <laughs> through that door. He's going to be like Mykonos. Yeah. All right. Well, that's going to be it for this week's episode. As always, I'm Matthew. And I'm John. And this has been The The Discussion Discussion Phase. Thank you for tuning into this week's episode of The Discussion Phase. If you enjoyed our content and like to hear more, make sure to tune back every week for new episodes. You can follow us on Instagram and our Discord link below and let us know your thoughts on all these topics. Thanks, everybody.